in Germany. Episode 13 the MX5 show is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's largest e-commerce store, bringing you knockout prices better than a Jacoby right hook. First of all, thanks to our sponsors Talon Wheels, Extra Triple Clamps, Liap, Recluse Clutches, Atlas Braces for all your support. We really do appreciate it. I'm James Burford and alongside me is part-time MX5 editor Lewis Phillips and in the studio is always our very patient producer Rob from Jukebox Beats. Hi, Lewis. Hi. Um, I'm not part-time. So before you start spreading rumors. You, you are? I am not. So we've already discussed this. Uh, in last uh, three days, four days, you've done an interview for Bracerex and you've done a podcast for On Track Off-Road. And me and Adam did a great podcast on On Track Off-Road. Yeah. So, I don't think it's up yet, but if it is, yeah, I'd probably so, recommend going over there and listening to that one. Yeah, if our bosses are listening to this, then uh, Lewis is moonlighting not just on one website now, but on on two. Three, I was pushing. Actually. I was pushing the business forward on all yeah, of those websites. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, none of us are happy about it, but Lewis just feels like he's there a one man show. It's what happens when you uh, become a rock star. Yep. So, uh, how was your weekend? Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Can't really remember much about what happened. Other I, than I do the fight, but it's very very exciting. Oh yeah, we learned a lot. Except for the racing. I yeah, would say the, the racing, racing was, was quite good. Really? Yeah, it was all right. What, what did you like about the racing? Uh, second MXGP motor was pretty good. Okay, what happened? Like four or five way battle for the uh, third overall. I've got to say something. I did miss quite a lot of racing the weekend. You didn't really watch it? Yeah, I did have some stomach issues, um, which prevented me from doing my job uh, 100% the weekend. It was not pretty. It was, it was not good, and I had to be located to uh, pretty close to a portaloo. Uh, all weekend. So, um, yeah, it's not good. I think um, I obviously caught what Max Anstey had the week before. So um, I mean, you weren't actually in Latvia, but sure. Yeah, maybe it's just, yeah. Just sure, mentally I'm, sure I'm sure those germs flew all the way across yeah. to England. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, obviously us riders, um, you know, talk a lot. Anyway, it's a good weekend. We, we learned a lot in the pits. There's so much stuff happening. You know what's funny? You've kind of shaken me up by saying it's episode 13. Oh. It probably shaken me up. It's on my mind. Really? Don't like number 13. Oh, dear. Right, okay. Actually, what, why did you get... Somebody, no one likes a number 13. Somebody put a current in your banana when you were younger? No, just don't like number 13. On the 13th of Friday? I, I just don't like the f- number 13. Okay, right. Superstitious, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Like, when I was racing, if I picked out peg 13, yep. that fucker went straight back in the pot and I went to 41. Ain't a fucking chance I was sitting next to the number 13 before a race. So, hang on a minute. If you picked out a 13 peg, yep. instead of having 13th yep. position on the start... Yep. 
you put it back in and just and went to, to the, the end. end. Yeah, not a chance was I going to sit next to number 13. Not a chance. But didn't, didn't you see you only had one whole shot in your whole career, yeah. so it wouldn't have made any difference anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, just for bad luck. I'm not sitting next to number 13. So did you have a lot of good luck in your racing? No. <laughs> exactly, I didn't want it to go worse, did I? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, number 13's a fucker, so fuck knows what's going to happen in this. Right. So I'm glad we've cleared that up for everybody. Got a foundation strong in this room and stuff? I hope so. Right. Uh, <laughs> I see that you've, you've come in really positive today. Well, it's just number 13. It shook me. I'd just like to apologise to everybody. Who's, <laughs> this is obviously going to be a, a really shit show now because Lewis has got in his mind that uh, it's 13. So, Okay. We're just here for survival. Right. Let's just try and get through this. Um, MXGP. It's not quite the same without Hurlins in Caroli. No. And let's face it, Geyser just looked like he was in complete control. And didn't actually look like he was uh, trying, well not trying, but pushing to his full ability at all, I which be, is worrying. i got to be honest, he looked so in control the weekend. Like, although we've seen that he's, he, he's got better throughout the year, the weekend he just looked so in control and relaxed, which is quite surprising. I guess you're going to be though, aren't you? If you take out your two, the two people that you actually need to worry about, but it was like he, he worked hard in the first few laps and then as soon as he had that 10-second lead, he, he, he was kind of coasting. Well, he did crash in our first, lap, uh, in our first race, didn't he, after four laps? I was, I, in, think, I was in a toilet. I think, that, <laughs> I, think, I think that woke him up a little bit and made him sort of realise that actually I've kind of got this pretty easy now and I don't really need to be making mistakes like that. No. And I did notice that he kind of settled into it a little bit more in the second one. Like, he was leading, jo- he was leading Jonas by, what, two to three seconds for half a race? But you could visibly see that he had more in the tank. And even when I spoke to him after the race, I said, like, I felt like if someone had challenged you, you could have just kind of gone, watch this, and turned it up. And he had a right little giggle to himself. So <laughs> I feel like that told tells you a thing you need to know because it was a proper, like, yes. Well, you had some really good uh, podcasts in the weekend, didn't you? Uh, you didn't actually listen to them, so I don't know how you... No, how, I, I, I don't know. I, I never listened to them. That's yeah, but I don't know how you're um, qualified to say that. This is the thing, right? I need to defend myself because I'm in a car with you for like literally hours after. Yes. So you tell me basically everything that's going on in the podcast. Well, you didn't even know I did one with Mitchell Harrison, so clearly not. Well, it obviously wasn't very good because you didn't tell me that in I the actually, car. I haven't, actually haven't told you who I did podcast with at all this week. I thought you did. No, name. Okay, I did nine. Name okay. them. Uh, Prado. Yep. Harrison. Yep. Geyser. Okay, three obvious ones. Uh, Geyser. See, I didn't tell you anything about my podcast. <laughs> oh, bollocks. <laughs> I actually didn't. Because I, mean, I remember I was thinking, I was like, oh, not one person at MXYZ even asked how my podcast went, who I got, and whether they were any good. <laughs> i tell you what's um, actually really surprising is the, uh, the views. I can't believe how many views you actually I smash. I smash this show. <laughs> you do not smash. <laughs> I do. My stats smash this show on the Postways podcast. But we should, we should mention that 134,000 listens. To the podcast yep. over the past year, which I think is freaking brilliant. Big thanks to the guy who tweeted you saying, does Lewis deserve some credit here? Uh, did, did they? Yes. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. No. Because <laughs> no. in, no. your, in, your I... in your tweet, you put, uh, this is a credit to our team. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen the podcast team around at all. <laughs> I, must have, I, must have been, I must have been missing. <laughs> this is the whole reason. This is the whole reason why we don't give you any more, any more than you need, because... <laughs> Uh, you're just walking around like Billy Big Balls anyway. Oh. <laughs> it's so true. The race of the weekend. <laughs> Guys, uh, literally was just uh, class above. Yep. 33 points to 83 points. Wow. I'd say that's a good, de- good day at the office. That's a great day at the office. 
We, have we got any news on Caroli? Not yet. I wouldn't hold your breath. We've we've been told that the hematoma is so big or something that for two weeks he, until he can have MRI, is it? Or scan or whatever. Scan. It wasn't two weeks. It was just basically they're waiting for the hematoma or the bruising or whatever to go down so they can actually see what's going on in the shoulder. Okay. But I think the hematoma, bruising, whatever, is from Russia, not actually from the Latvia crash, which kind of gives you a little indication of how beat up he is. But wow. once that's done, they'll be able to see just how much damage there is and all of that. I am not holding my breath. So that could be him done for the rest of the year, possibly. 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 Okay. Um, and Which what, is just crushing. And what do we know about Hurlins? Uh, Lommel or Imola. Lommel or Imola. So he's he deaf. had two screws in his ankle. He's okay. in a cast for two weeks. But uh, KTM are not, not concerned, but they're a bit... Uh, they are aware of the fact that before this recent injury, his ankle didn't have full mobility still because obviously he came back sooner than recommended by the doctor. Yeah. Just quicker in the recovery process than originally thought. So the ankle already didn't have full mobility and now it's in a cast again. So I think they're a bit apprehensive that like this might be quite difficult to get full mobility back in it and it might take a little bit of time. So I think that will be a bigger deciding factor, but Lommel or Rimmel. Um And at that point, I feel like Hurlin's title chances are over. Okay. It's not looking good for him. <laughs> I've also got some, some news on the Kawasaki front. Do you want me to talk, talk about that? You're going to say what? Well, I, I think I've heard through the grapevine. I, well, I don't know if you're allowed to say. Why am I not allowed to say? Have you asked if you're allowed to say? Well, I don't know. It's just a rumor. I got told, yeah, but <laughs> everyone knows that we know. <laughs> no one, if we've been told a rumor, it means we've been told that the truth. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's fine to pay, I think. I got okay. told not to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bollocks. Okay. Kawasaki um, are having a fill-in rider. Yeah, they're having a fill-in That's rider. That's what we can say. But probably not for Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned. I think I got told a PR's coming out this week, so... Okay. I'm waiting on that. It probably won't be yes-no PR. Yeah. Probably going to be a professional one. Ooh. But, um, yeah. Okay. PR this week, I cool. think. Yeah. Yes. And if you haven't figured out what James is trying to say through that, then I just... <laughs> you, you, you need help. Then you need to go back and listen <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's a lot happening. But let's, let's go through... Um, because there's an extensive list of people who are going to be missing from Indonesia. And we're going to talk about that more next week, but let's just give people an idea of who's missing. So we've got Caroli missing. We've maybe. Got, yeah, maybe. We've, uh, we've got Hurlins missing. Yep. Bobchev. Yep. Nagel. Lupino. Lupino. DeSalle. DeSalle. Lieber. Lieber now. Simpson. Simpson. I don't know why I'm repeating the names you're saying. No, neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, Strybos of Gold won't be there. Nope. Boutron. So that's Geben, Geben are out, JWR are going to be out, Factory Kawasaki are going to be out, yep. possibly Red Bull KTM in MXGP. Oh yeah, not, well, possibly, yeah, and they're not getting a fill-in rider. No, so, the, so they're, they're not, they're not going to be travelling. No, you can't say it like that. Obviously, Red Bull KTM are going with Vial and Prado, but just likely they're not going to have... I did say MXGP. Yep, but they're not travelling can mean anything. Well, Derek might want a weekend off. You need to watch your words. Watch okay. your words. Whatever. Just because you're best friends now. You just need to watch your words. Fucking hell. Anyway, um, it's great that we're talking about Indonesia. Yep. Germany? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I, was, I was just saying it's interesting. Anyway, the, some of these injuries are stemmed from Germany. We've seen, another, we've seen a few more people out the weekend. Yeah, including, like, do you want to talk about him now? No, we've spoke about it on a Saturday podcast. Okay, do you want to mention you know, Get Well Soon Again, Ben, no, or anything? Just, Ben is out, and we all wait on the edge of our seats for that return. Lewis was very, very, like, down this weekend. Distraught. 
the Ben Watson bandwagon is still travelling though. And even though Ben isn't at the races, the bandwagon is still going to um, drive on. Yeah. Represents. Okay. So, um, and we lost Lieber and potentially Mitch Evans. Uh, I feel like it's not a good sign that we haven't heard anything about Mitch yet. Oh, hold on. He sent me a message. Pretty, he was pretty sore of his lower back. He's got an MRI. He yes. had an MRI yesterday, so I'll message him in a minute and see if, oh. what the results are. And you know, we'll see if he's, he's all good. I'm not, I feel like it isn't a good sign that they haven't said anything yet. No, no, we'll have to, we'll have to see. But um, go, I don't know if people knew, but if you, ever, if you go onto Mitch Evans' Instagram page, what's his Instagram handle? I don't know. Well, we'll find that. But look for Mitch his, Evans 43, I think. Mitch Evans 43 on Instagram. If you check out his, his Instagram page, give him a follow, obviously. But also look back to the Supercross crash he had when basically a rider... Uh, swapped lanes in front of him and he landed on the back of him. In that crash, he actually fractured three vertebrae and also um, uh, fractured his pelvis in two different places. So that was quite a horrific uh, injury. And he was out for a while for, with that one. When he had this, when he'd done this injury the weekend, he, he instantly felt that it was the same pain in his, um, in his lower back, which is what he'd done in the Supercross. So hopefully there's good news, but we'll, we'll try and find out. And, uh, a little bit later on in the show and, and we'll let you guys know. Everyone would have seen that Ozex Open crash. Yeah, it was... And it all surprised because I'd obviously seen it. <coughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Christ. You right there? Uh, I'd obviously seen it and then when I found out that it was Mitch, I was like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Because I didn't realize, like, crazy. Crazy. Quite crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, MXGP class is looking a little bit bare. Did you say bare or better? Bare. Oh. Because... Lining up in Indonesia, we literally can see ten riders on the line. No, don't be one of those people. I'm not being one of those people. Well, you, just... okay, guys are Tonus, Paul, and Jonas. Sira, All right, hold Anthony on, hold Coldman, on, hold on. Fevra, Van Horbeck, Jazconis, Bogus, Monticelli, uh, Leoc, Tixier. I don't. Know, I've lost count on my fingers, but fifteen. That's just off the top of my head. Fifteen. And there's more because that was off the top of my head. Okay. Right, calm down. Quite impressive. That I listed that many off the top of my head. Fucking hell. Jesus, you woke up wrong outside of bed this morning. No, just don't 13. be one of those ten. There's never been ten people on the line. There's never. That's just a myth. Okay. For God's sake. Before, God. can we come back to MXGP? What? Let, yeah, let, let, I tell you what, it's your show. No, I feel it's like we I feel like we need to talk about Punchgate. All right, let's talk about Punchgate. We've seen this. We've seen this brewing because let's go back to France. Ben Watson was just coming up the second. I think it was a second turn coming up the hill. Seen Jacoby out behind him, edged out to give Jacoby room. Jacoby was wide open, trying to go on a fast lap in time to practice, and literally nearly took out Watson, even though Watson went over. And then uh, what we can only assume is lots of hand signals and blah, 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 blah. The odd death threat may have been thrown around. The odd death threat. (laughs) So we've seen this brewing, and I think it stems from the pressure which is currently on him at the moment. Then, this is last year in MX2, the German GP was his chance to um, win in front of, and probably his, his only chance to win in front of his um, home crowd. And he didn't, let's face it, he, uh, he didn't bring his A game, did he, the weekend? Uh, first one, it was all right. It was third in the first one. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about winning. Oh, he's never going to win, is he? Well, I don't know. We've seen... We've seen... Nah. Prado? He's not going to win? No. Okay, okay, okay. You really think he could have beat Prado? There was, there was times this year uh, was it Portugal? Uh, yeah, in a qualifying race. Yeah, there's times this year when he has been looking fast. And it, so 
Just give credit where credit's due. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to build this story okay. up, right? Okay, you just keep just building. Just come this. in, fucking rip it right open. I bet you didn't do this on Adam's podcast. I just heard um, her just say that he was going to beat Prado, and I shook a little bit. Okay. God damn. I don't know why I bother. Anyway, so basically, he's coming to the German GP, huge amount of pressure. This doesn't justify anything to what, what he'd done. You know, and, and the fact of the matter is that, uh, not that it's been on TV, but there's literally, you know, there's videos going around, so every kid's going to see this. I mean, you're a professional sportsman, and you go and punch another rider who is also your teammate. But uh, what I can't understand is you actually punch someone for taking them out. Yeah, I, there's no excuse. It was a batshit crazy thing to do. And uh, there's other words that I can think of to describe it, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to get punched. Soon he's going to run out of riders. So <laughs> maybe move on to media, I don't know. But um, yeah, what a thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I don't care how much he apologizes. I don't care how much, oh, oh, I was provoked. He said he was provoked on his Instagram. What, what, how was he provoked? As mu- he put something like, as much as I felt provoked. What, yeah. was he called a name what? for being ta- for as taken much, As much as you felt as a provoked. Well, that would be zero then, mate, wouldn't it? Like, fucking fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and and this, this isn't an English thing, is it? This oh, no, isn't I because Sterry's English or whatever. This is any I didn't even, To be honest, I'm not even thinking about Sterry in this factor. I'm just looking at Jacoby. Yeah, this is just... I don't care who he punched. As, or... as a professional, this is not cool. And at this level as well. And I don't, I don't buy it for a second. There's some people that have said his move on Sterry was because he was trying to close the door and make the pass. For some reason, I saw Jacoby go past pit lane a lot of the weekend, and he was always hugging the inside. Yeah. Every single pass he made, he was hugging the inside, and he was hugging the inside when he made the pass on Sterry, and then decided to hook a left. Not only did he hook a left... He, he hooked, looked. He hooked a left, hooked a left, got into Sterry, and then continued to push it, because you can see him dragging Sterry along for a little bit. So like, he didn't hit Sterry and go, oh shit, and move back across. He actually stayed in it. Yeah. And let's face it, Sterry got away lucky. Oh yeah, could have, it was high speed. Yeah. And the ground in that, I remember looking at that part of the track and thinking, this is well, seriously hard pack compared well, the, to some other parts. And the edge over there, he could have took him right over the edge. Or they could have took both of them over the edge. I mean, let's, let's pull it into perspective. That could have been career ending. Like, and it ha- well. How do you know? There could be, like literally, <laughs> when you think, <laughs> don't, don't be a dick. Think about this, right? You've got, Sprockets, you've got everything. You know, look at what happened Mel, Mel Pocock with just a, you know, on a start. you got something this, you know, this crazy high speed, fingers get caught in wheels, everything. Like, Sterry was not expecting to be taken out. Well, my you, thing... You're not prepared for that. My thing is, if you ever, if you're, if you can manage to take someone out on a flat straight with no jumps and no corners and everything on purpose when it's dirty. Yeah. Because... That's that, not racing. That can't happen. Like, you're running parallel to each other. So how the hell are you going to do that unless you go out of your way to do it? Yeah. And, and let's just say if somebody out there wants to argue, that's racing. The punching head was not racing. Oh, yeah, that was, no, that was very much not racing. Yeah. And it's funny, I was talking to Tonus about it after the race because he hadn't seen it. And I was explaining how it all happened. And he was like, oh, so it was like um, what Hurlings did to me in St. John in 2012. And I was just like, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> like, but that was really bad. But that was at least coming into a corner and like hurling slow down so you could see he was setting up the, to try and take Tonus out. So there was like a little bit of tactic and whatever. And like, it was a slower pace crash and everything. This was just all out. I, I want to say, I want to say dickheadness, but that isn't a word. And I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. So yeah, but no, it was just beyond aggressive. 
I just don't understand. I literally yeah. don't understand. So um, we've seen the video doing the rounds now because uh, it's, it's absolutely everywhere. And I think it was caught by a fan. No, it was on um, German TV. Oh, even better. Yeah, the one I showed you on Sunday night was off a um, German television station. Wow. So they literally just, have just put it out there. Yeah, because, I, well, from what I know, the MXGP TV people did catch it. I just don't think it they went did. into the broadcast. They did, and they didn't want to pull it out. Obviously, it's not great for the sport. No. I mean, no one wants to see this at a world level. I just don't understand. And so as far as I know, Jacoby rode up onto that tabletop after the race to wave at his fans and say goodbye and everything. Steri followed him up, and then obviously they started talking. Jacoby hit him. Yep. <laughs> and that was all she wrote. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know what happened at the truck after the race or any of that, but when I went by immediately after the MXGP race to do interviews, it was like a ghost town. No, I, I literally walked to the, um, the tent after, and they were both basically being pulled into the, um, the truck. To be spoken about, but, but that's what—that's almost what I don't. Why? Why are you putting Sterry into a truck? Yeah, the guy's not done anything wrong. Just give him a like, give him a little bonus. Be like, sorry, mate. Is Jacoby's wages as well? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be in, it would be interesting. I mean, the the things which irk me a little is that there was no apology to Sterry, his teammate. Yeah, I don't know. Do you class his Instagram post as an apology? But it sh it, shouldn't you kind of? You just punched. You not only have you just taken out your teammate, but you've punched him in the head. Surely that deserves one sentence on your Instagram, which basically says, I just want to apologize to my teammate, Adam Sterry. Do you want me to read his apology? Yeah, do it. First of all, I have to apologize for my behavior after the finish line in Moto2. Whether it was frustration or whatever, as a professional athlete and role model for young and upcoming kids, I should never behave like this, no matter how much frustrated or provoked I feel. I am beyond sorry for this. So he's apologized for the... Um... To the kids? No, he's apologized for, what he, for hitting Sterry. Not for the move, though, or the crash or anything. I'm not sure if it's an English to... It's a, like, language barrier thing. But he says, I have to apologise. Okay. Does he mean it as in, I have to apologise, like I've been told to, or... Yeah. I don't know. It's not a good look. No. And uh, I do think it's like, there's questions coming up in the old Ask Twice Anything thing, but... Uh, okay. I think this stings him for a while. Oh, yeah. And, and not only does it sting him for a while, but... It's not looking good for next year because if you're going, if you're going into a team and, and, and Jacoby's going to be your teammate next year. Well, not even that. He's already not an outstanding 450 prospect. No. It's not like already people are like, oh, we, well, we need him because he's definitely going to be good. There's no way to tell that. Yeah. But um, I don't know what the team should do. But there is actually a bit of precedent for this because obviously uh, Pike punched freeze in 2016. Uh, yeah. At Anaheim 1. Yeah. And as far as I remember, the AMA, the FIM... Didn't do anything about it. But JGR themselves sat Pike out for a week. Did they? If I remember right, I'm pretty sure. Okay. They told Pike, you're not racing next weekend. Which is a very NASCAR thing to do, yeah. I think. Yeah. So that's obviously, they've dug into their roots there a bit. So, but I think that, because of the way that situation played out, I think that's put pressure on FNH. They have to do something. I think they have to But even, well. there isn't even a statement or a like anything on their Facebook or anything. Like this is where you need to have the PR people to step up and say, right, we've dealt with this. You've got to do this. Yeah. Like if I, for some of the teams I did PR, PR for, I would have rung them on Monday morning or whatever and said, right, it's up to you what we do, but we need to do something about this. Like if you don't do anything, that looks, that's just not going to help. This is not getting swept under the carpet. Like, just put out a thing that says, uh, hi, uh, us at FNH, we don't condone the actions of Henry. Uh, we are dealing with this behind the scenes. 
we are speaking to the riders and learning more about what happened and we're telling and we're communicating this and we've yeah. apologized to our sponsors and this will never happen again. You're not saying anything too specific, but yeah. at least you're like, wow, they're on top of it. Yeah. Maybe something's coming, I don't know, but it's interesting you say that as well because the sponsors and stuff like that, they got well, embarrassed by the whole thing. I think the I think the Japanese were there as well from Kawasaki. They were. So that isn't uh Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the and Japanese like, really uh, enjoy that kind of no. behavior. So no, just just left a real bad taste from what was a good weekend. Some people are saying that oh, um, FNH need to bench Jacoby for a week. I can't see that happening purely because they would already be sending stuff to Indonesia, and Jacoby is fifth in the championship. Yeah. So like, whereas the Pike thing, it was kind of already destroyed because it was round one and he didn't score any points or whatever happened. I can't really remember now, but. This is Jacoby is actually in it and could do quite well. So I can't see them doing that. But no. the team have got to find him, I think. Yeah. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. Even if you don't find him and just tell people you are, like just do something. Do something. Yeah. Do something. Do something. And it, it, if if you know, if Jacoby's that worried about what kids in, in people are thinking. Oh, he, he there, doesn't care. <laughs> Let's be honest. That is that just but, someone's told him to write that. Hey, what I'm saying is that if if you are gonna if you are gonna make that statement, then you need to back that up. Yeah. So you need to say that this is not cool. You cannot do this. this. This is not cool. If you want to do that, get into fucking MMA. Because those guys punch back. I just don't understand how you punch someone that you took out. Like when someone, when, when I got a message like straight after the MX2 race saying Jacoby's just punched Sterry, I genuinely replied saying, you mean Sterry punched Jacoby? Because that makes sense. Yeah. Sterry got taken out. Sterry lost his head. Fair enough. How, I don't understand what can happen for Jacoby to feel like, you know what? I deserve to punch you. Like, unless, I don't know what Sterry said to him, but how bad could it have really been? <laughs> yeah. Like, be humble. You could say. Be humble. You could say that, but I just, I don't understand. I honestly, I don't understand, and I feel like we're going to get to Indonesia, and we're going to be waiting for something to come of this, and it's going to all look like business as usual and try to be swept under the rug. Yeah. But I think you need to do something. Like, call every website. Call us. Call every other website and say, this is what's this is what we're doing. We're not putting out a press release, but we want to communicate to you that this is what's going on and this is how we're doing things. And then I will pass that message on through this and then the team look good and they're not dealing with the backlash on their social media and stuff. There are so many ways to do it correctly. So many ways. Yeah. And that's what, I don't know, I guess it is a bit of a, I feel like American teams are more likely to go public with how they're dealing with the situation than European teams just from the past. I don't know if that's a culture thing, but that definitely is a kind of feeling that I have. But yeah. still, this is a time to step up and kind of prove the quality, I guess, and level that you're at. Do you think there's any pressure from FIM or Ustream? Or they, would they just do nothing? Uh, I don't know. Because it's, obviously it's, it's not good for them. No, but I don't know. All I can go off of is what um, is failed and happened. AMA. And, okay. like, this is unprecedented in MXGP, really. Yeah. There was, was it 2004 South Africa? Pichon took out Everts and Everts then waited on the side of the track without his bike and then when Pichon came round he threw his goggles at him while he was still riding but that's all I can think of that's kind of similar to this and I, I was eight then so yeah, I can't really remember what and I wasn't doing interviews so. I can remember the time where um, I can't remember what it was but remember the photographers had a fight um, when somebody won oh that, that, that was uh, Brazil 2014 I think was it? was it? That was Mexico quite funny. 25th, uh, I think it was Brazil 2014. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this is just unprecedented. So I don't think 
I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is. I just feel like F and H need to do something. Yeah. And maybe they still are. It's only Wednesday. Yeah. They could quite easily issue a statement on Friday saying, uh, now that dust has settled and now that we've had a chance to communicate to all of our sponsors and supporters and riders and staff who we rightfully wanted to talk to first, I'd accept that. Yeah. Fair enough. But do something. Yeah. Okay. And and if you want any help with your PR, I'm here. (laughs) Got the ideas. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you still going to be working with MX Vice, or are you starting your own business? I was just just inquiring. No, just we can. We oh, we're here. Oh, oh, sorry. We're here. James is here oh, too. Oh, you need a team, do you? <laughs> yeah. Interested. Right. On that note, let's have a little break. We'll have an advert, and early? then we're. T- Why do you always question me? Early. It's what early? do you want to do? Do you want to talk in another ten minutes? No, that's fine. Every goddamn time. Early. It was oh. early. Right, anyway, so we're going to come back and we're going to talk MXGP. See you in a minute. The MX Vice Show. For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter, and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. The MX Vice Show. So, is that everything on Jacoby Gate? I think so, until we hear more. Cool. If we hear more. Let's put a lid on that one then. Well, we've got more. We've got questions about it later. Okay. But But for now. For now. Let's talk about the Yamaha guys in MXGP because there's a lot happening there and there's been a lot happening uh, in the background that we weren't aware of. Uh, I think the biggest one was the news you got from from Gaultier Paul on the weekend. Um, Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about silly season stuff. Yeah, he's been dealing with like fractures in his hand since Portugal. He said it wasn't the bone that's fractured, which, and I'm no doctor, so I can't really go really far with that. So I don't really know what else can be fractured in your hand, but I'm guessing it's ligaments or nerves or muscle. I, d- or, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so that's why he's been kind of meh, I okay. guess. So he's been, and he's had that kind of under the wraps for a month? Yeah, since Portugal. He said, I had some fractures in my left hand. No fracture on the bone, just fractures on the other things. Okay. I broke other things. Still painful, but now it is going to be close to three weeks next weekend. I think it will go well. I will be training hard on the bike. Going to Indo- Indonesia, we cannot train. So I'll be riding only at the weekend and then it is back-to-back weekends. This will give me some rest. Okay. So, so he, where he went through that patch of kind of like he wasn't on, say, on, on the money, that's why. Yeah. And he said that he's not one of those people who's going to put a scan on Instagram and, or like tell people that he's injured or anything. He said he'd rather keep, look at, keep things positive. And okay. keep, um, Which is good and bad. I mean, good that he's trying to keep things positive, but bad because if you just communicated... You know, and kind of riding with this at the moment. Don't want any, uh, you know, special dispensation yeah. well, or whatever. A, but yeah, I, I don't know. As if you're not going to communicate it, if you do eventually, like he has done, then that's okay. I think because, like now, we can say like, oh, maybe we've been unnecessarily harsh to him. No, we have. Is that? But that's kind of you. Well, if you're sorry, not, you have. If you're not going to talk about it, then you've got. A, you're inviting that. Yeah. Because what are we yeah. like? Well, I, I had him down for for a race win this year. And, uh, and GP that, win. GP win. Yeah. Race wins different. Oh, no, did I say race? Oh, no, we're we're talking about race GP, no, we're talking about GP wins. Were we? Yeah. Okay, I still think you can do Don't it. say race win because I'm... I, even more so now, you can do it. I'm, I'm, he... not, I'm not going to fluctuate. I'm going to stick to my guns. Okay. So, um, so that's a little bit of news about Paul Ann. Um, but he's fine and obviously racing and no surgery or, or anything like that. And he's obviously coming out the other side of it now based on a podium finish at Tushintol, which is actually his third year in a row on a podium now, which is kind of impressive. Okay. Regarding team wise, am I allowed to say anything, or are you going to ban me from saying that? Um, well? You can say that all contra- all the Yamaha riders' contracts are up. Yep. 
and that they're all competing for less than four spots. Okay. So there we go. So you can say that. Off you go. Yeah. So um, what we have found out is that there's uh, going to be some some changes at the end of the year, and that four will be divided by two. The funny thing is, I don't think that maths is correct. <laughs> I truly <totally> don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love maths and rider ages and um, geography now. Uh, and Formula One. What we, this is music. okay. Silly season wise, this is what we learned at the weekend. Two, <laughs> ride, still two riders. Ford. Two riders. This is what we learned at the weekend. Silly season wise. Two riders are agreed at Kawasaki for next year. Factory team. Yeah. But we know that. Two riders are agreed at Yamaha for next year. We know that. That could also bump up to three potentially. We now know that Prado is locked in. We'll talk about that in a bit. Suzuki not definitely not coming back next year. Twenty twenty one, and well, it probably Honda won't. has one spot but isn't isn't committed to anyone yet. Okay, four fifty wise. So we know that there's one place at Honda which is still up for grabs. Yeah, and potentially a third spot at Yamaha, but then that will just go to one of the current Yamaha guys. But what we can say is that of all of that I've just said, there is one person who is moving on, and it will be a big shake up because it will be a, an exciting change. You're not. Don't say. Don't. <laughs> Don't say. I know. Yeah, but don't is. say. Okay. But yeah, well, so out of those, there'll be one. Obviously, it's always exciting when a big name switches teams. And out of that group, a big name is switching teams. Yeah. So one of the riders who's agreed at Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, Honda, whatever, is a new face, which I guess it won't be announced till the end of the season. But if you put pressure on me, yeah, I'll probably crack. Okay. Uh, what, through the show or? No, like there is things I've, well, I don't know. But yeah, that's exciting because it's always exciting seeing a new person on a uh, new team, new colours and all that. That's always a nice, fresh change. Yeah. And I think this guy's going to look good on that bike. Why, why would you even say that? That's just the most... No one even knows what that means. <laughs> um, I think he'll look good in that colour and on that bike. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, back to MSGP, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so we're talking t- Team Yamaha still um, and the riders. Tonus again looks good the weekend. Yeah. Same old, same old now. I'd almost say it was probably his worst weekend out of all the podiums because he didn't look too, like, fiery. Like, there wasn't much of a flash there, I thought. But But he's consistently, what's this, five in a row? Yes. And it's like one, it's one of those things, though. If you're a team... Five podiums in a row. If you're a team, are you taking these five podiums in a row or are you taking the other 52 races that he was injured? You're only as good as your last race, Lewis, and that's what all all people care about. Okay. So no one's going to buy you for what you've done uh, two years ago. Well, that's, that's bad for me because we won the best digital platform four years ago now, so does no one care anymore? <laughs> no. And obviously, we need to up our game. This is, and, and given that you are the MX Vice editor, <laughs> I think you need to take a, a long, hard look at yourself. I'm trying. Okay. Some Just support this, would be 2016 nice. <laughs> was a long time ago. Yep. So, um, yeah, best digital platform, which I think was probably down to me. Because <laughs> um, it's not, there's no editorial stuff on there really. It is best digital platform as a website. Us, except all of the. So I think that's kind of me. Okay. Um, and then probably the next uh, award is going to be for Sean for best videographer. Yep. Then who else? Best photographer, Andrew Conway. Then. Um, <laughs> You're not making a bit higher. Well, I'm just thinking when, when editor might come up. I don't think he is. Or journalist. Are you a journalist? Yep. Okay. Well, officially. Yeah, you've been beaten the last few years, eh? Yeah, by everyone in the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe this year is your time. 
What okay. were we talking about? We're talking about the, the Yamaha MSGP guys. Tonus, five podiums in a row. Great work for, you know, Wilvo this year. I mean, how many podiums altogether now? Altogether? Yeah. Is it 13? Um, Paul Inzad, four. Matali, Trentino, Mantova, Tushintal, and Tonus had five. So nine. Oh, nine. Okay. Um, so great, great year for those guys. But I, I'm super impressed with Tonus. Like, like you say, he, he wasn't on fire the weekend, but still delivered a second overall and a second and a third. It's just insane how badly the season started for him. DNF, 10, 6, DNF, 13, 20. Yeah. And he looked good in Argentina. Yeah, but not this good. He looked good as far as like eighth place. Hang on. Wasn't his, um, uh, if my memory serves me right, wasn't his practice or his timed, timed practice? He was top. What, Argentina? Yeah. No. He was sixth in time practice and fourth in free practice. Qualifying race, he was eighth. Warm up, he was second. I definitely seen, I definitely seen something in Argentina which alluded to him riding as well this year. Well, that proves that it was worth you going to Argentina with your insights. Well, it was a long journey. I hope we doing that again. It's just funny because you say you, you, say you uh, saw these things. Yeah. But you never came on a podcast after Argentina and said that you saw this coming. Uh, there's some stuff I like to keep internally. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. I, I get... see if you saw this, it seems like something you'd shout about. Do you, do you know what it is? I don't have the confidence because every time <laughs> I, I come up with these things, I get ridiculed <laughs> by you. So oh. I've learned now to keep them internal, you know? Maybe but I'll just start we've writing. We've spoken about this. What? You're, if, it's okay for you to have an opinion and me to have a different opinion because that is what a discussion show is. Yeah, but when I have an opinion, you just start laughing at me <laughs> and mock me. People don't see what I go through away from this podcast. I have to sit in a car with you for like 10 fucking hours. It's, it, it hurts. Okay. We'll, we'll to... discuss this off air. Okay. We'll discuss this off air. So, Jeremy. I'm still... Uh, I still rate Fevra and... Jeremy higher than I do Paul and Antonis. Really? Yes. Okay. Don't ask me why. Yep. Except for the fact that I see things. I'm sure you see things, but obviously you're seeing different things. I think to in, that, else. in that current field, I think Fevre is the uh, most likely to beat Kaiser. I, I agree with you. And I kind of thought it was going to happen in um, Germany, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously crashed in warm up. Yep. Which wasn't bad crash, but he looked a little bit worse for wear with holes in his jersey and uh, lost his peak and. Dirt everywhere and everything. So that put me off a tiny bit, but I do think that is going to happen at some point. And if Fevra doesn't win a GP this season for the first time since 2016, June 2016, I will be shocked because I think it's happening. Okay. He's good enough. That's what I mean. He's good enough. He can't, not because of the de- depleted field, he is just plain good enough. Yamaha have got to be loving it at the moment, though, because they've suffered the last couple of years of injuries, haven't they? And then suddenly, everybody else seems to be injured. I mean, this is just how it goes within, you know, the paddock. But they've got to be riding high at the moment with, uh, oh, apart from the, the Watson, uh, you know, crash, unfortunately. I know, I can see it on your face. But up to that point, to have six riders out there, four in, in obviously, two in, um, actually, we can say four in MX2 because Renault and, and, and Trivlin have been, been pretty ever present this year in the yeah. top ten. They basically had four riders in the top ten all year so in both classes. Yeah, so it's been it's been it's been great. And I think at one point the weekend, I think they they had second, third, fourth, and fifth. Was it in the qualifying race? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Saturday, we think we talked about. Yeah, it, it's it's been looking really good for them. So it's super positive. And obviously they've 
They've got the Blue Crew and... 2nd, 4th, 5th and 14th in the qualifying race. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing 14th though crashed. Yeah, Tonus crashed. Okay. So, um, but let, let, let's talk a little bit about that because um, they've invested heavily over the last um, four or five years from doing the 125 Blue Crew. They've still got the two-stroke machines. I think they're actually starting to see the benefits of everything. What, this like chain reaction type yeah. ladder system they've built? Yeah, uh, I, I believe we're, we're definitely seeing that. And, and again, with the riders they've got coming through, um, I mean, Beniston's looking very, very good in EMX 250. Yeah, and Honda are obviously doing the uh, similar thing now because uh, with the Honda Europe teams, they've got EMX 250, MX2, and then MXGP in this clear pathway all the way through. And you can even argue that they're now starting to see the benefits of that with Boirami. Yeah. So. I wouldn't rule out, 100% I wouldn't rule out in other Japanese uh, manufacturers now looking at Yamaha and seeing what they're doing. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the emergence of a 125 again. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think... Um, it's I, over. I, it's over, Johnny. Well, um, I don't know what that means. I think I've heard of it. <laughs> I, I want to stamp this on this show. Okay. Um, at this moment. Again, you mocking me. Yep, I'm not um, mocking you. Uh, again, uh, so precious. No, not precious. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I want to stamp this because okay. I do think you stamp, that you get your stamp off. You go. I, I do think that Yamaha's showing the rest of the Japanese manufacturers, you know, ha- the benefit of having not having such a step from an 85 to a 250. That's fair enough. But I also think that the benefit is also having an EMX 250 program so that you can develop riders young. Like, as long as you've got that, I think it's fine. Oh, no. I, because I, I, you, I, say, you say that it's because of this 125 thing. Uh, Gertz wasn't with them in 125. Watson wasn't with them in 125. Pauline only got on the team this year. Tonus was on a Kawasaki three years ago. Yep. Fevra was on a KTM and then a Husky. And uh, Sua went on Yamaha basically because Suzuki folded. Okay, just shit all over my team. <laughs> Such an asshole. I don't even know why I bother coming on this show. I've just given you facts. What, what is your problem Stick with Stick your facts? facts up your ass. No, but I'm saying the structure works. Yes, and it will work eventually, but I don't think you can say that's why they're succeeding at the moment. Okay. But I do think it works, and I do think that Honda are modelling the same thing. It works for them as well. Kawasaki yeah. is very broken because they don't have an official MX2 team. No. They don't have really an official EMX team. No. But have EMX riders, F&H have EMX riders, but it's not like there's this clear way of progressing. So I think Kawasaki are the ones who need that the most because obviously um, Husky and KTM kind of uh, their own little thing going on. Rene Hoffer is going to benefit from that coming up. So yeah, and Prado obviously. <laughs> Prado is a shining example. Of all of this and this idea of riders moving up Well, Prado the was signed on a 65 yeah, exactly. to KTM. He's so he's actually come example. through the pro- program. So, I mean... They, you know, we we're not saying anything which people don't know. KTM have, have absolutely nailed the the progression of how to get a brand into uh, families at a very young age, and they're obviously profiting from it now. Yeah. Um. So moving on, I want to talk a little bit about Max. Um. Just because he needed that the weekend, he needed two solid rides. Uh. First, we need to give him props for saving Roman from his back wheel. Good point. Because uh, Roman in warm-up came out of the corner before pit lane, uh, tipped over. wasn't a bad crash, but somehow his bike flipped and his back wheel was spinning on his head and he was stuck there. There was no chance he was getting out of it and no one really ran over to help. Max came around on his lap, saw Roman, stopped alongside him, got off his bike, lifted the bike off of him and then rode off. Yeah, just that. What a guy. Yeah. 
Not all heroes wear capes. No. Sportsmanship of the year. Yeah. Award. I like that. Good. We better get the trophy shot on it. Yeah. And didn't actually, uh, you know, didn't kind of talk about it or anything else, did he? No. Just, just done it. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. I thought that was, a, I think that yeah. deserves props. Yeah. Similar to the Mike McDade, Will Hahn thing back in the day. But um, he needed those two rides. Yeah. But he didn't, I don't think he rode better or anything like that. He just got starts. And yeah. that's a story for so many riders. Yeah. Like, agree. He, got, he got starts and this is what he does with a start. Give him starts every week, he'll be podium contender every week. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Put Sewer in a good start. Sewer even said it to me last week. If I have a good start, I know I can contend for wins and be on the podium. If I get a bad start, I just need to accept that I'm going to finish eighth. And that's yeah. fine. Because you can't do much else. Even in a depleted field, you can't do much else in a, a class as strong as MXGP. But yeah, he just needs starts. So that's all it boils down to. I've been proven right with what I've been saying. Yeah, and, so, his, and his teammate Koldenoff seems to be... Uh, yeah, he's alive now. Yeah, he seems to have finally woken up. Not sure what has led to that change now because Latvia and Russia were very meh. Yeah. And obviously it's a back-to-back weekends. But he's turned it around and that's good to see. Not that he's under any pressure because he's got a contract with stand-in for next year. Yeah, it'd be interesting um, maybe when you spend some time in Indonesia see if you can uh, interview him and get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I was going to interview him in uh, Latvia, but I went to someone else. Okay, as you do. And then let, let's talk a little bit about Jonas as well. I know we're chopping thinks, and changing. He thinks he should have taken up gymnastics. Well, he's actually supplying us with some amazing content this year. He said that we curse him and he needs to find out where we're stood in free practice <laughs> so that he can be a bit carefuler. Didn't, didn't you come back and said that? Was it his sister or something? Or his was it his girlfriend or sister? Uh, I can't sister, remember. I sister. He was like, oh no, not again. When he found out that we'd actually caught it. Yeah, sister came out, the, or sister, I think it was his sister, came out of the truck and was like, Pauls, have you seen your crash? And he was like, no, who caught it? And then his sister was like, MX Vice. And he was like, oh, not again, bloody hell. <laughs> so, yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, yeah, well, I'd definitely give him, what, an 8.6 for dismount? I just don't understand how his helmet didn't touch the ground. I genuinely don't understand how that's possible. Yeah. And also the fact that his legs and feet were the force that took that bike to a front flip. Like, how much force must have been pulling, going up through his feet for yeah. him to actually drag that bike into a front flip? Holy moly. Yeah. And also, actually, uh, Lieber, obviously out with a fractured elbow, did exactly the same thing as Jonas in that first race. But just didn't get away with it. No, like, got a bit squirrely at the bottom. And actually, did, you, did I show you the crash? Yeah. Oh, got a bit squirrely at the bottom. And then got sort of similar thing, like started flying all over the place. And he was going so fast and carrying so much momentum that that off of his bike, he got carried all the way to the top of the jump, which is crazy, I think. Yeah, just and the also, momentum. How lucky did he get? Because he crested the top and then laid on the top with a fractured elbow. Had he just not quite made it to the top, he would have come rolling back down with a fractured elbow. And imagine how painful that would have been. Yeah. Because that elbow would have taken like seven different individual hits on the way back down. Yeah. So. That would have hurt. Yeah, that would have been bad. So, yeah. But that was a gnarly crash. And uh, he's obviously, I guess he'd be out for the year. Fractured elbow. Elbows aren't exactly a nice thing to injure. No. But then fractures are always a bit uh, hard to read because. But Jonas did look good. Second, second moto. And to bounce back from that crash as well again. Yeah. I think the whole Jonas sewer story is going to pick up from MX2 quite nicely because they're both finding their feet and they're starting to find each other on the track again, which is always uh, interesting. Yeah. It's always funny how things play out. Like I was thinking at the weekend, 
two years ago, we were watching Sewer and Jonas battle at Tushintar. And had you, if you'd told us that in two years' time, they would both be battling in, in MXGP, but Jonas would be on a Husky and Sewer would be on a Yamaha, it would have been like, what? Yeah, really? Yeah, <laughs> just funny. Um, Life moves on, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't really would, you know, go through the list or whatever. Jazakonis not looking the same. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. Not really sure. Did you speak to Arminus the weekend? I saw he had quite a big crash. Oh, yeah, that happened in front of me. That was, that was a big one. When, what were you doing over there? Uh, no, it was pit lane. No. <laughs> he had a crash in pit lane. Oh, really? Yeah, he had a big there one. There was another one. I don't know if I can show you it. It was on his story. Okay. I haven't seen that one, but he, he literally had um, a similar one to Jonas, but in pit lane. And that was a little bit... And uh, he, oh, got, he got up yeah. and he was, um, he was limping. But he seemed to be fine because oh, he obviously yeah. rode. But... And his results weren't down on what they've been previously. But after the way that the first few rounds had gone, if you'd said that um, Jazakonis wouldn't have a podium at round 10, even with all these injuries, I think a lot of people would have been surprised. Okay, two rows I want to talk about. One is who finished 13th overall, which was Anton Gol. Yep. Um, the floor is yours. Yeah, so I know I just... The, the guy worked so hard and to actually put in two solid rides, finished 13th overall. He picked up pretty much more points this weekend than he did in the rest of the GPs um, put together. So um, he's, he only had 16 points up to, this, up to this point and now he's on 30. So I think uh, it was a, a solid ride. I think the track suited him. It was quite technical. It was rough. It slowed other people down and he was charging. So um, that really stuck out for me. And the second one would be uh, the return of um, Valentin Guillo. And I, again, I was quite shocked to see him up there because when we spoke to him, uh, I think he was in our hotel, so we spoke to him the night before, and he just mentioned that he's, he's not fit. He's not right race fit. Yeah, he even said in my interview that he needs to get rid of some fat. Yeah, he's, he, he's just not used to running that pace or those times as well. So to go out and get, was it 14th overall? And he was looking just outside the top 10. He was looking good for it. He didn't look out of place or the anything like that. The speed was good. Can you imagine what he could do with a, you know, a little bit more time on the bike? And, um, you know, was that his own bike the weekend? No, it was on KMP. Okay, but I didn't know, because I know that for the ADAC, he was using his own bike and I think he was using their graphics. No, I think, he, I think this time around he had... Their bike, did he? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's not, he's not locked in with KMP or anything like that. Like, he's not got a contract. It's not like he can't go anywhere. No. So he is open to offers. But that was just kind of a one race yeah. still, wasn't it? But he is open to offers from teams and whatnot. And uh, outside of KRT's replacement, I think he's the best, definitely the best option as a fill-in rider. Yeah, well... And KRT could, could even have two guys. They need it, so... Yeah, so there's no reason why um, we, we couldn't see him lined up on a KRT bike, maybe Indonesia or even for uh, Lockett. I don't think KRT are going to Indonesia. It probably makes sense for them to, to miss it if they've got both riders well, out. Why... Similar, similarly, uh, I love these special moments on this show. Dirk Grubel, when I was talking to him about whether KTM were going to get a fill-in rider, if Crowley, yeah. the worst happens and Crowley does end up being out for the year, he said it just makes no sense because they've already cancelled some freight to Indonesia. Yeah. So they're not even going to have everything there for, that they need. There wouldn't be time to test because of the flyaways and stuff, and it just is like basically impossible. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah. So um, we could probably see exactly the same with Kawasaki. So, but, they, so they maybe, maybe, maybe they come back and lock it full firing for full team. I just, I, Gebben have got to put someone on Lupino's bike. They weren't even there at the weekend. I don't know how bad Patrell's knee injury is, but it doesn't sound great. Yeah. But surely they're not going to park the truck for the rest of the year. No, I wouldn't like, have thought so. They've got to get someone. 
Inter Valentin Guido. Yeah, it's obviously not, not good for sponsors. But yeah, he's, he's in prime... I guess he's in pole position now for, for a ride. Yeah. You've oh, got to think. And the amount of teams that need riders, you've got to think he's going to get something. Yeah. And if he does get something, then it's going to be a high-pressure situation because it's going to be a, kind of a, a do-or-die situation. Yeah. But interesting, uh, in the interview I did with him after the race, yeah. which is now up on mxvice.com. Cool. Um, good site. I asked him if he had any regrets about anything he's done over the last 12 months as far as like, because obviously he did get offered a ride with Standing Construct for this season. Yeah. But he turned it down because he thought that he could get better results and get better offers and better money. And yeah. obviously didn't work out that way. Damn. So, and then there was other things. So I basically said like, do you regret anything you've done over the last 12 months? And he said he doesn't. But there is one big regret he has in his life, which okay. I didn't even ask about, but I was more than happy to take it. Okay. Um, he got offered a deal with Suzuki, factory Suzuki, for 2015 and 2016. Is that as when Everts was running the team? Mm, or was that before? 2016, Everts started. Okay, so... But, um, yeah, so he um, so would have been in so the crossover. So Vingabors, yeah. And he said that it was a massive contract for MX2, and he was too young and, like, inexperienced to realise what was in front of him and take it. Wow. And he said, that's, to this day, that's his biggest regret. Damn. So he could, he could have been on a... Suzuki at that time with Jeremy. Yeah, I'd guess so. But then there's people who say like, oh, well, who cares? The Suzuki team went up in flames anyway. No, that would have been a great opportunity for those two years. And then who knows where that would have taken him. Because once you're in this factory rider club, yeah. it's quite hard to get out of the club. Yeah. And once you get out of the club, it's very hard to get back into the club. Yeah. Like if you'll notice, factory riders tend to look at factory riders for their team. Yeah. They don't look at the satellite. It's like, it's weird how it all clicky thing works. but. There yeah. is so much difference, though, between a, a factory team and a satellite team. And, and that, that goes with the, not just money, but like the whole testing and the amount of people on a team, the resources, that type of stuff. So I, I guess, and those, those factory riders which are in that club find it very hard to adjust when they come out of the factory rider club to a satellite club. Yep. Very hard. Yep. Because they expect... Where's the guy with my new engine? Um, hate to tell you this, but you've got a standard engine with some, you know, new parts. So final word on Guio. Uh, he is open to a fill-in deal. He wants a fill-in deal. And from this day on, he is training very hard so that Give he is race ready. Give Guillo a ride. That's all we're saying. Yep, I would. We believe. Yep. We believe. He belongs in MXGP. Yeah. 100%. He was number 13, but I was glad to see that that didn't hinder him at all. Well, that should stand you in the show. So, Ander Valentin, you have no idea who that is, do you? <laughs> Never seen a blanker look on your face. <laughs> so, Ander Valentin, yeah. uh, MXGP rider. Oh, yeah, Spain. Valentin. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know his, I didn't know his first name. Oh. I know his Valentin. Uh, he took number 92 this year. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Have a little bit of respect. But isn't that the same as Boirami and Van Donick? No, but. Like, Guio had 92 for his entire career. The second he doesn't on a team, just swoops in and takes it off him. He hasn't retired. He might want it, like... I don't know, I just... When I looked at the first entry list for Argentina, I was just like, huh. But that's have kind a bit of, of respect. But that's kind of... Uh, that goes down to the OAT teams. So when you become an official, um, basically, team of, you know, within Ustream, yeah, yeah. you select the rider number. Yeah, so but what, yeah, but I just mean, like... He's not going to go, oh, I'm not going to take 92 because that's... Well, I would have. Like, just sweeps in and takes it off him. Like, I don't know, I just didn't... I was, when I first saw it, I was like, huh, okay mm. then. 
No, I, don't, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. But I don't know why Guido chose number 13. The only thing I could come up with in my head is that he's been 13 of the nations quite a few times, and maybe it served him well. Maybe. Um, do you want to talk about anything else? Uh, I guess we MSGP should mention uh, Strybos went home uh, between motos because he was ill. Yeah. That's just going from bad to worse, that, that whole thing. Well, he was ill, so cut yeah. him some slack. Yeah, okay. Uh, anything else you want I'm to I'm just trying to get the results back up because I was off them. Uh, oh, there's Cyril. one more. Here's a, here's a question. Do you want to talk about Cyril? He actually, he had a new, um, did you see he had a new uh, shirt on? Yeah, team shirt. New actually, team looked quite shirt. good. <laughs> yeah, it looked really good. He said he was really pleased. And that um, the, the team gave it, said they had a present for him. And they gave him a team shirt. And uh, yeah, he was very, very happy with his new team shirt. Final thing on MXGP then. Yep. So the current standings, Sewer is third, 289 points. Okay. Tonus is fourth, 288 points. Paulin is fifth, 288 points. Wow. Jazakonis is sixth, 249. Van Horbeck is seventh, 225. Koldenoff is eighth, 220. Jonas is ninth, 219. Who gets third? Or if Crowley's out for the year, second? Tonus. Okay. He, just, just because, and the only reason I'm picking this is uh, through no other reason other than momentum. I go sewer. Okay. okay. I go sewer. Although, Fevra is a... 104 points down on Sewer at the moment. You can see him pulling those back. I could see him doing... Yeah. I could see him definitely getting back into that. Yeah. Now, looking at this list, I, I, I definitely see him joining those riders. But, yeah. It, what good times. Yeah. Who would have thought we'd be so interested in second, third, and fourth? That happens every year. <laughs> yeah, but outside of... Oh. Guys are... Uh, sorry, guys are Crowley and... Uh, I'll tell Hurlins. you what's nuts as well, is even after missing a round, or missing three motos, Crowley is still like very, very, very far ahead of the rest of the field. Yeah. But that's nuts. We're only 10 rounds in. He's not scored points in three of the motos. What's interesting as well is you can't take away Geyser's won a lot of races this year. Oh, yeah. He's on quite a quite a run. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's have a little break and we're back. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favourite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. Big news today, Lewis. Yes, we're back. Did I send like a a news report then? No, you just forgot, like, there's a very abrupt way to come back from commercial. Okay. Welcome back, Lewis. No, it's a bit meh. You really are an absolute. Um, so, yeah, big news. Yep. Prado is not going to America. No, which we kind of knew anyway, but, or like you could kind of make an educated guess that wasn't going to happen. But now, for people who probably don't know the background because they're not in a, a place to know, this is a longer game by KTM given what's going to be happening over the next couple of years. So we kind of, luckily, we know what's going on behind the scenes and we can kind of see what's happening. And um, this is a real strategic move. And the reason why this is happening is because of other things which is going to be happening over the next couple of years. So this is, a, this is really is a savvy move by KTM. Well, yeah, you've got, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Because like, basically, if they'd sent Prado to America they would have been solving a short-term problem with TLD KTM because there are problems there because that team isn't delivering results. No. If you look at KTM's worldwide racing efforts, that team is like a black mark of mediocreness. Yeah. And they're losing Mikel Raff and Jordan Smith for next year. 
So add that in and that's not going to get better. No. So if they'd sent Prado there, that would have solved a short-term problem. But then long-term, which could be as soon as 2021, when Karoli potentially retires maybe, they would have been left with, what the hell do we do in MXGP on the Dakali side? Obviously, they'd still have Hurlins, but they typically have two great riders. By doing this, it actually works perfectly for Prado because Prado will be able to sit alongside Crowley on a 450 next year, presuming he wins the title, which, shocker, he probably is going to. I think um, there's a good chance. So he can sit alongside Crowley next year, not have any pressure on his shoulders. Everyone, like, everyone on the team will just be saying, like, we're looking at Hurlins to win the title. We're looking at Crowley to win the title. Just learn. Just take your time. There's no rush. You've got 20 rounds to figure things out. This is a learning experience. And he'll know that. He can, he's not an idiot. He'll realize that he's got time on his side. And in 2021, potentially when he moves over to Caroli's seat and leads that Dakali effort, which they've been grooming him for since the beginning of last year, he'll be ready. He'll have a year under his belt and he'll be ready to then challenge for titles alongside Hurlins. They've basically looked after their future. And the, crazy, the craziest thing is KTM currently under their warning, or as soon as next year, they will have three generations on 450s. They'll have Caroli, who is the multi-time former veteran champ who's in one generation. Herlins, who is the generation after Caroli and still the future, really. Yeah. But he is still the future. Like, he, he could win the next four years. Four might be the most of it, maybe he continues, but he could win the next four years. And then they've already now got beyond Herlins the next generation after that on a 450. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I'd love to go back in time and see if there's any been, ever been a team that has so many riders from different generations overlapping. Yeah. Because it is, ins- it is insane when you think about it, but Caroli on a 450 will have his teammate who is like 15 years younger than him also on a 450. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy. And the fact that he's still so young, still so fast. And the crazy thing is, this deal with KTM that Prado's got, it expires in 2023. That's a long time away. Yeah. And it's, only, and it's a four-year deal, obviously. And those are unheard of in the sport. Like when Roxon went to Honda with a massive contract, that was only a three-year deal. Yeah. So this is like a massive investment and future planning from KTM. But he's literally going to be, what, 23 when that contract finishes? Hmm. I think he's nine, about 19 now, isn't he? Um, let me think about this and do some quick maths. Uh, oh, t- which t- is t- not t- your t- strong t- point, t- t- ages in, I think in he's, maths. He's 18 now. He turned 18 in January. Okay. So 22, 23? I think his birthday is around January the 5th. Okay. I think. I'm actually quite, you know, quietly impressed here. I think so. I remember that well. Okay. So, but, yeah, yeah, anyway, answers that. 22, 23, he's going to be coming out of a four-year contract with KTM. I mean, geez, that's, he's got a huge future. Yeah, and so people are saying like, oh, um, he's always said he wanted to go to America. And he has, but I've said this many times now. When I spoke to him in Tushintol last year, I asked him if that was still the goal and he massively backtracked on it and said, I'm looking forward to racing a 450 with Ducati. That's what he said, word for word. And he told me off the record as well because I kind of said like, really? And he's yeah. like, yep, yeah, I'm happy here. I want to be here. This works for me now. So it's not surprising that he's committed to that team. There are people out there who are going to say, oh, well, if he'd gone to the USA, he, couldn't, uh, he wouldn't have been very good at Supercross. But I actually saw him do Supercross in the off-season of 2016. He was over there for the winter with TLD KTM just on test tracks, kind of as, a, I guess, a taster for potentially going there in the future. And he looked really good, <laughs> like yeah. just as fast as the regulars on the team. Obviously, you can tell by watching him, he's got the technique, the fluid style. He isn't rigid on the bike. Like 
he can jump stuff, he can seat bounce stuff. Like he's got all of the character characteristics needed to be good at Supercross. Yeah, this that's is... not to say that he would have jumped in and won or whatever, because obviously racing Supercross and riding Supercross are different things. But there would have been no reason why his skill set wouldn't have held him back. Yeah, so that's so that kind of puts poo poo to all the keyboard warriors out there. What are going to basically say he's scared of Supercross? Yeah. He, he, he's not scared of Supercross. And I'm sure deep down, if you say to him, like, are you not a bit disappointed that you're not going to be doing Supercross until 2023 at the earliest? He'll go, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but I'm sure the, the one to two million he's probably picking up a year is probably going to, you know, make that a better pill to swallow. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Yeah. What is interesting, though, is, uh, so he's already got one world championship. There's yep. a good chance he's going to have two world championships at the end so. of this year. There's also a great chance that he could possibly be as good on a two on a four fifty as he is on a two fifty. But saying that it might be a three fifty. I'm not I'm not concerned about Prado on a four fifty at all. But there's nothing ruling out that in his uh rookie year he wins the four fifty world championship. Oh no, I wouldn't rule that out. No, I wouldn't either. I mean I would would I say that he needs some help in the form of Herlin's getting injured? Yeah. It's not unrealistic. But we've seen on his debut on a two fifty that 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 was the the battle, wasn't it? On his debut on a two fifty, or his it, debut in MX two, MX two. Sorry, yeah, and he beat Hurlings. Yeah, but four fifty is obviously a different game, and I think Hurlings is a much better sure, sure. rider than he was there. Okay, I completely get, but but the other thing, which let's just say he he comes into four fifty and he dominates, he's going to be what twenty one and have two two fifty titles, maybe two four fifty titles. What do you do then? No, he's not going to dominate. Come on, Let's, this is where you out of sight, out of mind. We need to remember. We need to remember just how amazing Hurlins is. Sure, out of you said. Okay. You just keep saying sure, sure, sure. But I'm just saying hypothetically. Let's just play hypothetically. Okay, he wins two. He's got two two fifties. He got two four fifties at 20 years old. But what does he do? Well, continue because his contract doesn't expire. So let's just say he goes an impeccable wins another three. It, at that point, he's won everything he can win. I don't think he goes to America. If you're getting it, I don't think he goes to America at the end of his current contract or his new contract. You don't. You no. think he's in MXGP for life? Yeah. Wow. And I think he's happy with that. He's a very family-oriented guy. Stuff like that. You can take your family with you to America. Yeah, but you know, you know I, no, I think he like, I think he likes his whole lifestyle and things. Okay. But one of the things I thought was interesting there was actually one thing that I noticed this morning um, on Instagram when KTM posted the news. Mm-hmm. Caroli uh, commented saying need more petto don't know what that means but need more petto for the 450s but we will make it happen Jorge Prado I don't know just interesting because that kind of hinted to me that there will be some kind of mentor type role coming up I which, definitely think which so which there already I, is to an yeah. extent but I definitely think so I, I can see I can see Caroli that partnership I think maybe maybe that would be the one which stops him going to, to America. Maybe that partnership, um, you know, he seems to have found a mentor in, in, in Caroli anyway. Yeah, and I, I, obviously um, he's still working with him closely now and Crowley, Prado will give Crowley a lot of credit for the advancements he's made in uh, the last two years. But I, 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 obviously it's a natural step for that role to and that relationship to grow once Crowley does step away. I don't know if we mentioned on the previous show as well, did, did did I? Uh, did we mention that with Tom Vial, he actually moved his whole family to Belgium? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, we found out a few months ago. I don't know if we if we have talked about it, but that's an interesting situation. One thing I one thing I've been wanting you to talk about for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. 
Where does Garibaldi get his money from, James, to run a team? How did he start that all up? Have I not told you? You have told me, but you've never said it on a podcast. And it's actually a little bit interesting. Um, yeah, but it's, this isn't relevant to MX2. No, it's not. But I've, always, I've been wanting you to say that for the last three weeks, and it just came into my head. So uh, okay. Just say it, and then we'll go back to Prado. <laughs> so um, uh, going back to, uh, I think it was France, and uh, Roger Harvey interest, introduced me to Giacomo Garibaldi. And uh, Roger Harvey being uh, the great person he is, literally threw me under the bus straight away and said, this is the guy that causes us so much shit, which is very nice for Roger. And uh, so he got talking to Giacomo and literally was there for, for half an hour. And I, he definitely, 100%, he's up for doing a podcast, which would be really, really good. But yeah, he started the team by actually selling. Uh, he bought a, a racehorse, sold the racehorse for a lot of money, and used and said, kind of said, what, what shall I do? I love motocross, so I'm going to start a motocross team. So basically, the first Garibaldi team, he took whatever the money, 150, 200,000 from uh, the sale of the racehorse, and he put that into the first ever. That's how he started the race team. And that was, uh, was that 2009? Uh, Charlier EMX 250. Yeah, it would have been around there. One of my biggest memories of um, uh, Garibaldi starting out a team, this may even be wrong, but... I swear at Glen Helen or somewhere, Charlier on a Garibaldi Yamaha at a time, because obviously they started out on Yamahas, got cleaned out by a banner. One like you know the old arches, the inflatable arches? Yeah. It, it deflated halfway through the race <laughs> and it landed on Charlier. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but that sticks out in my mind. And I'm pretty sure it was at Glen Helen, and I'm pretty sure it was when Charlier was riding a Garibaldi Yamaha. Wow. And that kind of that's why we don't ever see any um any, uh, I'm pretty sure that maybe maybe, maybe I'm drunk, but I'm pretty sure. I don't think you're drunk. Have you ever been happened. drunk? Yeah. Really? Yeah, loads. I am right now. I was when I drove up here last night. <laughs> <laughs> you should be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, he's laughing. Uh, yeah. It's funny when you think about Garibaldi. Obviously, they did. Like I said, they started off on Yamaha. So had they not switched to Honda as a satellite team, this whole partnership never would have come to fruition with a factory team and stuff. Yeah, and it's amazing how it's gone. And obviously, the the hookup with Geyser is really, um, really progressed because obviously he won the two hundred and fifty championship. He came through he, when he when he switched from KTM to Honda. It was with Garibaldi, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, great story there. Yeah, it's funny to think that Max rode for him as well. Yeah, that didn't go so well. I don't think um, the team was in the place that it was. No, when no, it was Geyser completely was different winning. team. Yeah. Max in, they, in think, Max's MX2 days, he did go through this weird like streak of he was always at, at teams like a year early. Like he would always go to a team and then be in this weird like he'd be developing the bike, and then at the end of the year he'd move on and that bike that he's just developed and had to struggle with for a year has gone to someone else much better. Like that happened with like three teams in succession. Yeah, yeah. back to Prado. Yeah, not uh, surprising at all. He's going to win a title this year. It's a forty-four point lead. Maybe we even win every moto coming up. Who knows? Basically, yeah, he's a guy. Yeah, and uh, I kind of, from what I know, I think KTM will be sticking to the same next year as far as Prado and Crowley on 450s, uh, Vial on a 250, and Hurlings. Obviously, we know they're kind, they, they looked at one person, but it just isn't going to happen. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Um, so, moving on. Yeah, no, I was just going to mention Tom Vial. Um, I think I did already. Basically, uh, interesting, when he signed that contract, he moved, he's moved his whole family. Did we do that or not? No, I, did, I, did, I just spoke about it on this show, no. yeah. But I, I didn't know if we spoke about it on a previous show. Oh, but yeah. Just in case people didn't know. And I think 
I we we I think the weekend was a great performance by him. He looked really really good, and he definitely bounced back from a few lackluster kind of GPs. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, no. I, I had this conversation with Dirk Grubel. I feel like we're all we all need to settle down because obviously he had a podium at Matley, he had a podium at Trentino. Then immediately expectations hiked up. Let's not forget where he was last year, how inexperienced he is. Like seventh place, tenth place, even if he comes nineteenth one week, it's all fine. We all just need to kind of step, take a step back, and say like, almost whatever it is, what it is. I guess you could say, whatever will be, will be. I guess. But he's second in the world. Yeah. No, I'm not. It's, sa- it's all well and good being that blasé. And no, I'm not saying else. this is. I'm saying this is great, but I'm also saying I don't think we should judge him as harshly as we do when he finishes seventh or whatever. Why not? Because he is still learning. Dirk also made a good point. Like Whenever someone gets on, on the Red Bull KTM team, they are immediately held to such a high standard. And if you think about it, if Vial was on a Kimi Yamaha F&H, would he finish, if he finished seventh, second this week and then seventh in Indonesia, would we all be like, what the hell? I don't think we would. Do you think that Vial would finish second on the Kimi Yamaha? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it because I think the KTM is that good. Oh, yeah, but Vial's a tiny guy. Okay. Like, he'll get starts on anything. Okay. I, I you know, disagree, but that's what is great about this See, show. See, and I don't say that you're shitting on me. For once. I'm not saying... First I'm, time ever. Thank you. No, no, you've completely misunderstood what I'm saying. Whenever I disagree with your opinion, you immediately go on for five anyway, minutes saying, oh, but you've just disagreed with my opinion and I'm not even concerned because that's how this thing works. Okay, so you've been bashing him for about the past six weeks. Why are me? Uh, I'm bashing him, I'd say. I'd say he's just... Yep, yep, I'd say definitely no, bash him. No, I don't, I just, it's no, been meh. It's just been meh. Not a fan. It's just been meh. But not it wasn't fan. meh at two Chantel. Yeah. Fair play, I guess. So one thing I'm going to challenge you to is I would like to have uh, your... Actually, it might make me listen to your post-race podcast if you've actually got an interview with Vial and Bozrami. Bozrami. I found out that Vial does speak quite good English, so I'm now, I've been given the green light to move in. <laughs> okay, so I'd definitely like to, to listen to two of those podcasts because I don't really know much about these guys coming up from EMAX 250. Okay. So it'd I'll be, work on that for you. It'd be great if you could do your job and, um, and, and do that. Zero respect, but it's fine. Okay. And also Maxime Renault if you get a chance as well. Okay, I'll just go all French on this thing. Yeah, if you could, that'd be great. Just free riders, which would be great to know. Okay. All come up from EMX 250 but, last um, year. Bro Rami uh, rode to last year as a wild card, obviously during his EMX 250 title run, and he was ninth in uh, first moto. So that in itself could be something that helped him this weekend, like momentum-wise and just positive vibes and all of that. Uh, two more things on Bro Rami. One, Asamoto have kind of struck gold with moving into the role of becoming an MX2 team. Yeah. Because as an MXGP team, they weren't, they were probably a third tier team. Yeah. They weren't exactly being celebrated and it's not like everyone had great things to say, but now they've kind of reinvented themselves in a, as an MX2 team. Van Donick's happy. They're leading the MX250 of Rubini. Rami's killing it. And they've kind of found a nice little home. What a turnaround. Yeah, definitely. Like I would 100% say that. There, there were rumours last year that they were going to shut up shop. Yeah, for, uh, ahead of this year, but obviously they went in a different direction, and I think it's worked tremendously. So is that comeback of the year or team of the year? I'd say it's, I'd say it's an impressive comeback, and it does deserve more credit. I might even try and do a story on that. Now that's another thing I'd like to to, to read about. You wouldn't know. <laughs> if I, would. I if I can interview Hurlings, Karoli, and Geyser on one day, and you don't listen, but I don't see what else will make you listen. Because I kind of 
know what they're going to say. No, because if you listen to my interviews, I ask different stuff. Yeah, I'm just saying that. I'd so like disrespect. To... And if, if if anyone ever wonders why, maybe sometimes I'm like, eh, what's the point in money doing my podcast? This is why. This is the motivational speeches that I'm getting. Okay, well, I didn't realize <laughs> this was an employee evaluation <laughs> podcast, but uh, there we go. Um, question. Yeah. When was the last time MX two French MX two riders were on the podium? Go. Take an educated guess. Think about this. I'm going to keep talking, so you've got some proper time. Fuck. Oh, that's right. I didn't say the C word. That's good. Uh, Last time there were two MX2 riders on the overall podium at one GP. I'm going to go with 2007. No. <laughs> what a random year to pull out. Why? What happened that year? I don't know. I was thinking, just, I was thinking like poor Sal and somebody else. Like <laughs> Charlier or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so why, why do... <laughs> poor Sal and Charlier were completely different times. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> to be fair, you were kind of right with Paul Sale in 2007. Oh, so, so you, now you're mocking me and laughing. Yeah. Just because of the Chardier thing. No, and then I'm giving you credit. You were right. You were bang on. Paul Sale. So at one point, I want to kill myself because you're making me look a complete dick, and I'm actually right. No, no, because Chardier wasn't around in 2007. Okay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there was no chance of Paul Sale and Chardier ever sharing an MX2 podium. How old is Chardier? I thought he's like eight, really old. He was he's retired years, as he well. He was a couple of years later. He's in Juro, isn't he still? Is he retired from Enduro? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you jumped feet first into that one. Um, it was. Do you want another guess? No. Please. I'm not playing this fucking game anymore. You're a dick. <laughs> um, it was 2014. Yeah. The MXGP of State of Goias. Where? Gius. I don't know how you say the last word. Oh, God. Yeah. Trindad. Trinidad. <laughs> the track was called Trinidad. I think. Now I need to check that it's oh, not a listener. <laughs> Can, uh, we don't care. Just tell us who the riders are. Oh, is that what you want to know? Yeah. Uh, Fevra and Tixia, I think. Okay, so that makes sense. That was yeah. actually Fevra's okay, that 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 um, Brilliant. That was actually Fevra's first GP win ever at the penultimate round of 2014. Yeah. So, meaning, and that was obviously his penultimate GP ever in MX2. And, um, he won it, and uh, Tixio was actually second overall, so they what they did better than Biao and Boframi. Okay, well, there we go. Imagine that, first and second overall. That's not a bad uh, yep. thing, is it? Right. So, VMXGP of State of Goias, Trindade, T-R-I-N-D-A-D-E, Trindade. I, I, I can't even talk to you right now. <laughs> um, I, don't, I genuinely don't care. It was in Brazil, oh, by the way. Well, fucking Trinidad is not in Brazil, is <laughs> no, it? No, I'm saying that's what the track was called, Trindade, T-R-I-N. D-A-D-E, Trindade, Trindad, Trindade. One of those, it was in Brazil. New track, one and done it was. So I, I, I need some drugs to take <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Last time they had a GP in Brazil was that. Do you want to talk about anything else? <laughs> or just rocked your world? And like... <laughs> oh, I just, I'm so over it now, I want to go home. Um, <laughs> oh. I'll tell you one person. <laughs> Poor Sal Charlie. Yeah. Fuck off. Um, one person who, who <laughs> I really kind of, actually was impressed with this weekend was Bas Fassen. Oh yeah, he's on the up. And credit where it's due, who's been there a while. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, fair play to you. You've seen this, you know, way going back to January. And, uh, but I definitely, yeah, okay, it's took me a while, but I liked it. I liked what I seen the weekend. And he looked um, good. He's now beaten his career best as well, which was at Otto Biano in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, 17. I'm just going to say, yeah, because probably you're oh, going to know It was that. either 2017 or 2018. I can't remember what one. I think it was 2017. 
Um, but yeah, he's beaten that now. And obviously that came in the sand and this is on hard pack. So he's stronger in the sand. So even that is a nice little sign that things are progressing well. Yeah, I was super impressed with his performance the weekend. Um, looked really, really good. Charging forward as well. It's not like he's lucking into these things. Nah. Beaten, nah. looked like he was back to a normal self. Yeah. and uh, Which is f- good because we need that. We need these people. Like We need someone like Beaton to get back to where he once was. And yeah. And did, for did he crash in one of the races yeah, as well? Yeah, the first one. Yeah, so... Um, he actually probably would have had a shot at the overall podium. Yeah. He, he was looking really good the weekend. Great to see him back. And another rider which kind of like stuck out, which you're just going to laugh at this one. So, um, Leziardo? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have put him in the top 10. No, ever. I, and I watched him the weekend, his style, choice of lines, and he was charging as well. Was, you know, there's another guy who kind of like stuck out from the weekend. I don't know whether the track suited him or moons aligned or whatever, but definitely looked really good. It is amazing to think he was EMX 250 champ. Yeah. You quickly forget that. Yeah. What was that, 17? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at me. Do you know what that is? Pat on the back. That is, yeah, because you don't fucking do it, ever do it. Mitchell what? Harrison, he's on a nice little run. Mitchell Harrison, he looked 12, really 12 good. 12-12 in Latvia. And he was in my ex- MX manager team. 12-12 in Latvia, 8-10 in Tushintel. So that's yep. a nice little run. Consistency was lacking when he first got over it. So to kind of uh, crack that is the first uh, hurdle. He was going forward as well. I was gutted for uh, Dylan Walsh. Because he was really, 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 really good here last year on a Diga Pro Cross bike as yeah. a wild card. And I was, he was good in practice. I had high hopes. I was really quite excited because I was like, this will be a nice little breakthrough. And then he crashed on the first lap of the qualifying race and was miles down and had a bad cake pick for Sunday and then got bad starts. And that was all she wrote. So that sucks, but that's the nature of the beast, I guess. So he's just trying again in Indonesia. Yes. yes. Uh, Darian. We thought he was going to be a little bit better and, and a track would have suited him a yeah, little bit more. It was the same thing. Uh, bad qualifying race, bad gate pick, bad starts. That was all she wrote. Yep. Although he did have a bike problem when he was pushing the top 10 in the second one. So that contributed. But the only good thing for him now is he has a break before Lockett. Yeah, DRT aren't going to Indonesia. Yeah, so, so. Um, this, is, this is great for him because he's going to be able to hopefully, because he's still suffering with Epstein-Barr, um, he's not getting any further forward. We were talking to him the weekend, still not training, literally just turning up and riding a bike. So maybe, just maybe, without having his back-to-back GPs, he can actually get some, some, some rest. It, it does suck, because I think right now there's a very, very, very real possibility that um, he's not going to be better at all this year. No. And obviously, being his last year in MX2, that's fucked it, basically. Yeah. Which, honestly, just sucks, but things happen, I guess. Uh, there was obviously talks that, or at the beginning of the year, there seemed like a chance that he could be going on to a pro circuit for next year and therefore returning to America when he finishes his MX2 career. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen now, so I don't know what he's going to do next year. I think we're going to see him on a 450 Kawasaki. Yeah, because he's, he's obviously already got a deal with DRT. Yeah, he has the option for another year, or so, they have the option for another year. So I can see them running uh, him on 450. Because I can't see it being a good choice, him going back home and... Uh, Joining a lesser team, no. Because like, look at Mitchell Harrison. He got off a he got offered a factory rider merry-go-round and uh, landed on a Rockwell Yamaha at the beginning of the year and couldn't even finish a race. Couldn't even line up for a race in some instances. Can you see Mitchell Harrison going to DRT? It makes sense purely because of this love that Dixon has developed for um, Americans. Yeah. So that's his next project. Maybe we should whether ask it him. will happen or not. I don't know, but it's kind of. If you take Darian out the equation, he's actually got a um clean slate to work from 
Okay. Doesn't really seem like silly season. There's much MX2 silly season talk. No, I mean, well, now that I think about it. So Prado and Viara just locked in. Guarami's still going to be on uh, some type of Honda program, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. That's what I mean. There's no talk. There's we, a lot. There's so much going on in MXGP that people are forgetting about MX2. So we, so Vlan, we know Vlanderen's going up. Yes. So to. that's going to leave the HRC now. Will HRC run two HRC 250s? No, I think one again. So they're just going to run one again? Yeah. Okay. Can you see them run none? No. Okay. Not, not just like leave it to 114? No. They're just not. No, because that was a rumor this year. Coming okay. into this year, there was a rumor that uh, 114 were going to be HRC's official MX2 effort. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Okay. I think they'll continue. Because both to teams run are owned by Garibaldi. Um, Giacomo Gar- yeah. Garibaldi, yeah. Racehorse business is clearly doing well. Very good, yeah. Um, Olsen is not going anywhere. Beaton's not going anywhere. No, both on long-term deals. Both, uh, Within, and that, that carries over to the new Husqvarna effort. And I'm guessing Vassen's going to be on Hitachi next year. I think, he, I think his deal might be up. So Where else is Baz going to go? Can you see him going anywhere else? No. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to having um, Landerin back in Indonesia. Yeah. Because if you look at it now, we're missing Ben and Calvin, and those are two third, fourth place riders, and that adds a lot. Yeah. So we need Ben and Calvin in that group massively. I can't, I can't see Calvin being outside the top five either. Though. Oh, no, I wouldn't say so. No. I think he'll come back with a bang as well. I'm not sure where his like, status is at as far as riding and training and everything and how long he's been back on a bike. but uh, He's back on a bike now. Yeah but, yeah, but I mean, for how long and how prepared he's going to be for Indonesia? Uh, I, think, I think on last week's podcast, he said he just got back on the bike. So he's been on there for a week. So, um, but yeah, he should be quite good. Yeah. And that'll be, a, that'll be a nice little boost. It's nice to have someone return in Indonesia. We spoke about Mitch. Um, he had an unfortunate weekend. Yep. Did you message him like you said you were going to? Uh, yeah, I messaged him. I'll just check. Uh, duh, duh, duh. Nope. Nope. So he's not got back yet. Anybody else want to speak about it? Sterry? Well, we kind of know what's happened to him. Lesiardo, great race. Van Donnick, uh, bike went in second race. Otherwise, he would have finished about eighth, ninth overall. Uh, yeah, he's been all right. He's yeah. still riding with a torn ACL. Wow. Um, that hasn't recovered. Shocker, I know. Usland, not... Yeah, I don't... I wonder where he's going after this year, to be honest. I feel like this might be curtains. Well, he's probably going to have to go MXGP anyway. No, I think that was a... I think that was a thing that people thought, and he's actually got one more year. Oh, has he? I think so. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't but, yeah, know. Bit of a... Yeah, not great for him at the moment. Um, not at the moment, all year. Yeah. And uh, someone who did look really, really good the weekend, but just... I don't know what happened, but Brian Moreau. Yeah, Moreau... Had the speed. He was flying, but just crashed. I guess that has been his MO his entire career, and I guess there's just more of a spotlight on it, on him now, that he's in MX2, but he's got to figure it out at some point, because... Yeah. yeah, he's obviously got the talent. Well, yeah, and that's enough to keep him signed and I think everyone's waiting now. Cool. Well, on that note, is there anything else you want to add to MX2? Uh, no, my laptop's dead, so I can't see results. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, need to get yourself an iPad. Right, so let's wrap that one up. Let's have a little uh, break and then we'll be back to talk uh, questions in a little bit MX Manager. Yep. Let's do it. Yep. The MX5 show. For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com at Motocross Vice on Twitter and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. The MX Vice Show. Hi Lewis, is this uh, better? For what? Well, sometimes I say something and you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I come back from a... Yeah. 
Yeah, that's all right. Okay, that's cool. I'd like to do it gently now because I don't want you startled. Next on the show, it's probably my favorite part, actually, is the, uh, the questions. So what's the questions? Oh, you want me to go into them now? First up is uh, from at Jass2336. Uh, any chance Jacoby gets suspended or fined? Uh, mm, nah. Suspended, I say no. Fined, yes. I don't think suspended, though. I just can't see it, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, I, I kind of, what you alluded to in the previous section, uh, the start of the show when you basically said, I think something should have come out straight away on the Monday morning and basically said, we don't, we condone uh, the reaction. You know, it's being dealt with internally. Um, there will be, uh, you know, a fine. That should have been done on Monday. Yep. At Jack Hit Jackpot asked, with Jacoby gaining this bad reputation in the pits, even more so after Sunday, does this make teams think twice about signing him when he moves up to MXGP? And at EK Harvey on Instagram asked, did the Jacoby Sterry incident hurt Jacoby's already slim chances of getting a good MXGP ride? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I agree to that. I, th- I think what I'm noticing more and more from talking to a lot of team owners and team managers is that it's so hard trying to, to work sometimes with these riders. And when you've got that to deal with as well. You just don't want this hassle. And it's hard enough out there, you know, getting the investment, putting the money in. And I've got to be honest, I don't think there's going to be too many sponsors which are going to want their products kind of... If, if he carries on down this road, I don't think there's going to be too many sponsors who want, want their products uh, on, on him. I don't think Jacoby's in a good spot to get an MXGB ride anyway because um, he's reckless. Either by himself he crashes a lot or with other people. That's not going to lend itself well to a 450. He's quite small anyway, so that already will get people thinking. He's not, mate, I, just, I don't see it working out. He's obviously not going to get a factory ride. I'd be surprised if he gets on a good second-level team, but I could see him going back to STC racing. Yeah. That's really what I could see. Yeah. Um, at Simon Finn said, is it time to start searching for the panic button regarding Brian Moreau? Mm, I think he needs some guidance. I think it's okay because he's showing speed, which means that it can work and it probably will do eventually. Yeah. So it's not like it's a complete disaster. It's just not just, really coming together. Yeah. And, and kind of what's happening now is just, you just don't want it spiring into a big crash. I think he's already had a few of those. Yeah, but a big, big crash. Right. Yeah. But um, no, he's young as well. Like He's got plenty of time. Yeah. And we know... This isn't anything new. We know what Brian Moreau does, and it's crash. And maybe he could show speed, and maybe just spending some time with someone like Porcel or somebody like that. That could be, you know, that I think that could actually work out quite well. Maybe he just needs, you know, he's he's obviously young. He's he's definitely got the talent. He's definitely got the speed. And maybe he just needs to be kind of, you know, molded a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what his ceiling is either. Like. Well, the other thing is, he is going to win GPs eventually. I don't know, but you would can you imagine him working with someone like Mark DeRuver? That would be a good shout. Maybe that will happen eventually. Well, there we go, because that could be a decent thing for FNH to look at. Yeah, so you could see that. Um, you know, we we've seen what Mark DeRuver has actually done with with Sterry this year, in in you know with Jacoby now. Like, there's nothing. You know, he he's he's a really good trainer. So actually, Moreau kind of sitting under that that could be that could be a positive step. Yep. At DiveMX said, do you, think, uh, do you think the USA will send a team to this year's MXON? Talk on other podcasts. 
Not as good as yours, obviously. Oh, that's nice. Dive MX. I'll, I'll take my wallet. <laughs> take, <laughs> it's not take, much in there apart from moths. Take my wallet, the shirt off my back, my car, take whatever you want. Yeah. Um, you don't carry much cash, do you? Because you have it all in um, Fort Knox. What's and, Fort Knox? Um, I know what. I don't. What's Fort Knox? You don't know what Fort I've Knox is? I've never heard of that before in my life. Fort Knox or Fort Knox? Fort Knox. No, never heard of that. No? No. Okay, what's the, what's the question? Um, do you think the USA will send a team to this year's MXON? Talk on other podcasts about it being a good idea to boycott this year's event and get Ustream to assist Team USA financially to get to the event in the future. Yeah, um, I think Team USA can be there. Oh yeah, I do. I don't hundred percent. Um, we we kind of um, Steve Mathis sent in a, uh, an article this week to, to MX Vice, which uh, kind of talked about this at uh, some scale. A reason why we didn't put it out is because uh, um, we didn't kind of want it to, to cause um, what would we say? What was what's the the thing I should probably say? You're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so basically, what we we didn't want to just get into a war of words with 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 kind of other sort of media journalists and stuff like that. So, but the article was really good actually, and there's some some quotes from some Mitch Payton and his thoughts on it, and about you know changes what's got you know need to be made. So, I do believe that some some changes do need to be made in order to, um, you know, to get America keep America coming and get America going because the nations isn't the same without without the US. And everybody wants to see the US and everything else. However, can the nations live out live without the US team? I think it will live without the US team, but it's so much better with the US team in there. Yeah, and it's well, could it have lived without the USA team in between two thousand and four and two thousand and eleven? No, because everyone knew that the USA was going to win no matter what. Whereas yeah. now, like, so if the USA hadn't turned up at Donington in two thousand and eight, and France had gone on to win, there would have been a massive asterisk next to that win. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, if USA didn't show up to Assen, which I don't think, I think they will be there. I believe they will be there. And France won. There would be no one even talking about it because we like it's kind of more of a level playing field now. I mean, I, I, at the start of the year, it would have made complete sense to have had Covington, Sinai, and Osborne, all American riders rode in uh, Europe. However, with two contract in um, Epstein Bar, obviously that puts paid to that. But there's three riders there that they could pick, which could actually, you know, do very, very well. And I to- think they'll do well anyway. Like, I don't know. Everyone goes on about it, but like, the USA were third at Lommel. And that was a track which supposedly they, se- they wouldn't be able to ride at. It was second. They, uh, yeah, they were second at Lommel. So like, it is possible when it's just a matter of whether things come together or not. I could even see USA winning Assen with like, five, six, four, eight, Four, ten results or something, because so much crazy stuff happens at the nation that who knows what could happen. I just, I feel, and uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think they'll go though, and I think, and I don't think it's going to be as bad as everyone's making out. No, no, not at all. Okay, cool. Especially if in, if the injuries keep piling on like this in MXGP and um, the USA, maybe they're not going to send an A team because Tomac might not go or whatever. But if they can send a A minus team or a B B plus team or whatever, yeah, then uh, yeah, should be all right. Next question is uh, Weekend Warrior blog said which riders in the current paddock do you guys enjoy watching the most and why? Okay, you go first. Well, I feel it's a shit answer but obviously Perlins. Okay. Why? Why? Yeah. Perlins. <laughs> okay. That's really good. That's really, yeah. And there's some really great content no, just podcast Just because he's like hard charging does some sick little technical stuff does some different things that like you kind of watch and like knowing him you're like oh 
It's interesting. And like makes weird decisions and well not weird decisions, but makes interesting decisions and stuff. So and I like watching his pit board as well because fact communication is always quite interesting. Okay. Um mine and uh, Watson. Okay. Because <laughs> Ben Watson does have a sick style. Okay. So I do enjoy watching that. So, so one rider I've really enjoyed watching this year is, and, and a little bit of last year as well, because of the way he's come through, is um, Iago Gertz. For me, he, he's, in a moment, obviously we didn't see him firing all on you know, full cylinders the weekend. I do believe that there's probably some stuff going on there that, um, you know, uh, which is going on behind the scenes, which affected his performance the weekend. But I, I, love, I love the way he attacks. He seems pretty fearless. So he's, he's a rider which I really do enjoy watching. Uh, and especially, I, I believe he's one of those riders which can, he can actually take it to Prado. And MXGP, I, I think this year I've just really enjoyed watching Tonus because just of his style and, the, you know, and what he does, he's, it just seems a little bit different to some riders. I, I don't know what it is, uh, but I've actually enjoyed watching him ride this year. C. Dory on Twitter. Hi, Colin. Said, uh, is there a chance we could see Adam Seri, Adam Seri, Adam Steri in the Swedish National Championship next season? And is Bernardini in the running for one of the Yamaha rides in 2020? No, Bernardini is not. No, he's not looking good at the moment. I thought Bernardini would actually be a lot better on a 450. I did as well. Yeah, especially because he usually gets good starts as well. Uh, Adam Steri in the Swedish chat, I guess, uh, JWR link. Um, uh, I don't think there's been any talk or anything else. Um, I don't think Adam Sterry's, I don't, from what I know, I don't think um, uh, he's approached JWR or anything like that, or JWR approached him. So I know that, that they, they're pretty, pretty far down on um, a deal being done, which is going to be pretty exciting next year. And apart from that, yeah, I don't think so. But I, I guess I wouldn't rule anything out, but definitely nothing's happening at the moment. Uh, Phil. Malins, Malins, one of those said, uh, "How many teams?" You still not got that I name don't, right. I can never nail it. I don't know why. And they told you about five yeah, times. I think it's Malins, but then that doesn't. Malins sounds a bit more correct to me. Okay. I think it's Malins. Phil Malins said, uh, "How many teams are going to be bothered to make the long trip to Indonesian GPs?" And with the current list of injured riders, what will the numbers be on the start gate? Well, you were saying fifteen on MXGP. No, I, off the top, I was literally reeling off names off the top of my head, 15. and I could come up with that much. Okay, so it's going to be the normal, except on. for take away KRT, two KTM riders, uh, Gebin, and another one that we can't say. Right, so here we go. Right, Geyser, Jonas, uh, Tonus, Paulan, Anstey, Koldenhoff, Jazakonis, Seawer, Van Horbeek, Monticelli, Bogers, Bevre. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Um, I'm counting you, Dick. Oh. 17. Anybody, anybody coming back from injury? In uh, potentially. Well, I've got 17. And from... there's always a lot of wild cards, and we get, the odd, we get a couple of Australians over. Do you? Yeah. Right, anyway, um, there's 17 riders fit and healthy from the current MXGP, which is going across. Yeah, it's decent. Add in a wild card, you get it to 25. Maybe pushing hey, 30. Dude, I'm... I'm not being negative or taking oh, a Oh, I just was I'm saying, just, and that's decent. I'm saying facts. You're yeah. trying... And, and that's decent. It's like, like the most proper, mellow voice ever. Okay, so MX2. We've got Prado, Guarami. Yeah, he's going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vial, Olsen, Beaton, uh, Vassen, Renault, uh, Jervelin, Jacoby, Harrison. Harrison? Yeah. Bud, yeah, Harrison. Sterry, Leziardo. Um, I'm just looking at if Leziardo was in... Mm, don't know about Lesiardo. He wasn't in Argentina, so he won't be in. Okay, Walsh, Pichon, 
Evans. Evans probably maybe not mate. I think he's be he'd be injured. Uh Sikwina. I think they go. Gertz. Yeah, they go. Sikina. They go. Gertz. So twenty. Sikina. Gano. Gano will be there. Twenty one. So there's gonna be there's gonna be forty riders Did across. Did you say Usland? No. Moreau? So twenty five. Twenty six. And then add in the odd Australian, Indonesian and yeah. people. So MX2 is looking a lot better than MXGP, but MXGP is, they, they have a lot of injuries. Uh, right. Questions answered. Let's move on. I'm looking for the next one. Fucking hell. Jesus. I don't know what your fucking problem is. This is what happens. LionZ44 said so many injuries recently. Oh, that's not even a question. <laughs> it's just a statement. So many injuries recently. <laughs> Hopefully most people are back fit for the MXON. Yeah, I agree, LionZ. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, Masters MX 2013 says does Jacoby's meltdown remind you of Guyot's last Guyot's last year in MX2 on fire then went a bit west after he inked a 450 deal no because I think Guyot's was more like a internal meltdown Jacoby's is very external <laughs> external <laughs> external be, that's the opposite to yeah. internal you dick um, yeah, no Jacoby no it's not similar because Guyot was very uh, Jacoby's just lost his mind Guyot had a couple of episodes and what like Lommel, I remember he was a bit mental, but... Uh, yeah. What happened in Lommel? I can't remember. I think it's bike. He had a bike problem, and I just remember seeing him, like, jumping up and down and all sorts. No, I don't think, I don't think it's similar. I think they're very different riders as well, because I'd say Guillaume's more... Obviously, Guillaume won GPs and all that stuff. Lots of podiums, all that fun stuff. Okay. Uh, Dan Evans, 525. Is this the biggest list of injured riders we've ever had? It's getting ridiculous. It just happens. It just happens. I remember... 20, I think it was 2012. 2012? At the end of 2012, MXGP, it was weak and it just was just because it had piled up for no, and then the next year was fine because it just happens like that. So like, 2012 MXGP? No, it doesn't look like it was 2012. What year would that have been? There was 23. Well, was... I'm, not, I'm not talking about numbers, though. I'm talking about like just with people missing. Like 2012 Supercross, I remember that was a terrible year for injuries. Stuart was out. Uh, Villapoto was out Dungey was out Reed was out and that's insane that's every title contender basically obviously Villapoto won the title before he tore his ACL but still like and now I remember and that came after 2011 which was the best season ever and then 2013 was um, back to being normal with a couple of injuries so it just I don't know it just happens and you just got to muddle through and then look forward to the following year which is never as bad as the previous year like you never have two years like this in a row it just doesn't happen and it's funny, actually, because 2012 Supercross was really bad. And it followed 2011, which was maybe the greatest season ever. And it's kind of similar to this, because last year was easily one of the best seasons ever. And then this year, it's piling on. But, okay, I've got a little, uh, little thing for you. What uh, British rider got ninth in race two MX2 in a 2012 GP of Germany? Ninth? In race two. Look at you smiling. You're all excited now. Huh? Hmm? You're excited, aren't you? Banks Brown. Adam, you got out. <laughs> no, don't. I actually don't. I actually don't. Hang on. I'm taking my headphones off. Don't touch anything, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a liar. I was already on 2012. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. So I literally just ran round the, uh, and, and he's got it out there. So yeah. I already was looking at 2012 because I was trying to find a gear that I'm thinking of. Okay. JAS Jass 2336 said, Love the podcast, gents. Will Rubini, Ferrato, and Van der Moustik, Moustike? Van Moustike. Yeah. Moustike. All have 
factory MX2 rides next season. Uh, Moose Dyke still has two years on his F&H deal, so he's locked in. I can never see Ferrato getting a factory MX2 ride. And he's kind of gone off a little bit lately as well. I just can't, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. Okay. And there, aren't, there isn't even that many spots, if any. Because KTM did... are locked in, Yamaha are locked in, Husky are locked in, Kawasaki don't have a team, Suzuki don't have a team. Yeah. Honda has one spot, I but mean, that's gone. He showed enough. I mean, Valken's fired, what, sixth? And that was right at the start of the year. He's, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I, I don't think he's going to be short of offers. I don't know, because I just wouldn't, if I was a team manager. Well, he's got the speed. Yeah, but I don't know. I just wouldn't even consider him. Okay. Um, and Rubini, I think he'll stay in, uh, stay with Asamoah, but go up to MX2. Yeah, and that'd be a sensible. Because Van Donick has to go up to MXGP, I think. So that would all make sense quite nicely. Oh, wow, this is a long one. Okay. Um, at AS Claudio 10 said, <laughs> I forgot to say that's what she said. Uh, at AS Claudio 10 said, Lewis asked already this on the podcast. But it's time to have a group of riders that start to complain about the circuit, how secure they are racing motocross. It's already hard. Add insane speed to them. It become a very dangerous sport. Look at how many injured riders are out. And to me, going from France and Latvia and Germany to super, super fast to super slow circuits doesn't make sense and there is no flow. 19 GPs are way too many also. It's never-ending season and the risk that some GPs will have. Yeah. Um, no. So this whole thing about meetings came up because I was talking to Dirk Grubel in the interview and I said maybe that's an idea to have it so that at a set spot at each round you have like Rui and the track team saying right at 7pm on Saturday at every single round we will be stood in a different spot which will, you'll be notified about via email prior to the race and you can come and find us at that spot at that time and that is when we'll take feedback and all of that and Dirk thought it was a good idea and it obviously would mean that there's, no, there's like, everyone has, can have their say if they want to have it, and there's clear boundaries and everything. So that, I think that could work, and it might be a nice little idea. But I don't think there's any issue going from France to Latvia to Germany based on circuit types. Because if you're going to do that, then we're going to have a sand championship to start the year, and then a hard pack championship to end the year. And, it doesn't, and then it won't work out with travel and like logistics and stuff like that. So I just don't see how that would... I don't think that's an issue either. I don't think people are struggling because they're going from sand to hard pack to hard pack to sand or whatever. That's been around and happening longer than whatever. And 19 GPs isn't too much, I don't think. Okay. We need more. I want 25. Yeah, you're in there. Um, no, because what? 15 is a good number? Okay, that's four more. I don't understand. Like, we've got 18 GPs this year and there's people saying like, oh yeah, it needs to be 15. Is three GPs really making a difference? No. I think the only thing they just need to be spread out a little bit more. Like, yeah, but the back-to-back GPs kill everyone. Yeah, but we're done with that now. We had three lots of back-to-back together. But now we've got two back-to-back Indonesia. Sure. Lockett uh, and Lomo are back-to-back. Sure. All I'm saying is that I have 19 GPs, I have 20 GPs, whatever. All I'm saying is that have a week um, breaking up each GP. It gives riders time to recover from injuries. It gives everybody else time to just breathe. Finally, MX Justin... On Instagram. Actually, we should mention that we did um, have a chat with a few people from Ustream the weekend. And although they're still working on something, the calendar we expect next week. No, you said this week, maybe. This week or next week, anyway. Okay, so the calendar uh, with the updates for next year should be out uh, this week. However, don't expect anything like Australia or anything like that to be in there yet. So um, they're all still being kind of negotiated and stuff like that. So... There won't be any big surprises, will there? 
Doesn't sound like it. No. But then I guess, who knows? Things can change quite quickly. Okay. Um, and then MX Justin on Instagram said, in Moto1, Glenn Koldenhoff went from dead last to 10th place on only one lap after missing the start and ended up 6th place in that race. How the hell did he do it? Tell us about it. You were there. It's well known Glenn's enduro, skill, enduro skills. So do you think this fact put down many races' excuses about the importance of a good start? No. Because he qualified well in MXG. He qualified well, which meant he had an inside gate. He didn't hit the gate. He stalled it. But he's got an electric start, so he got going really quickly. And on that start, you've got two left-hand turns to begin with. So he hugged the inside in turn one and hugged the inside in turn two. And it worked out. That's what I think happened anyway. I think he just benefited from his gate pick. Had he been on 20th gate pick and stalled it, I don't see how he would have done as well as he did. It was still impressive, though, in his best ride of the season. And I was amazed after because I saw him stall it and then I saw him come around in 10th. And I was like, how? But then the more I thought about it, the more it uh, made sense. Right, James. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. You had thoughts on that in pit lane? I did, yeah. I can't remember what they were. I can't remember either. Mm. Uh, and that's the questions. And that's the questions. There's a lot of questions. I'm quite tired. Are you? There's a lot of questions. I feel like I've done some real work there. But um, we love the questions, and there's more and more questions coming in every week. So um, just keep them coming. We love it. Oh, it's yeah. A- it's actually my favorite section. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah. We need to get people calling in. Yeah, let's, let's try and tackle this first. Uh, okay. We're tackling, I yeah. know. But um, small steps, small steps. And I was going to tell everyone what the winning team on MX Manager was this week, but I'll have to do that on social media later. Okay, how come? It's not ready? Uh, no. Okay. All right, well, that's still to, uh, still to come. Is there anything else you want to add to the show before um, we go? We're not going to do MX Manager this week because... No, because that's next week. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, we will talk about track prep and all of that stuff in more detail next week. Okay. Because there's no race, so... So we're going to be doing a podcast Monday. Um, it's probably going to go out on Wednesday anyway. Yeah. So the, there will be a two-day delay between uh, us actually talking and it going out. So just to pre-warn you, things might change. Uh, injuries, so on and so on. Um, and then we're still trying to work out Indonesia, how it's going to happen, because you may be doing the podcast show on your own. Yeah, flying home to do this does not make financial or logistical sense. Yeah, and I'm refusing to go to Indonesia, so... Um, but we are going to Indonesia, if yeah. anyone's wondering. Yeah, Tuesday so, next week. Yep, so we have three... We Qatar, have three, then Indonesia. Three people in Indonesia yep. covering the, the racing. And then we'll have two people covering the Junior Worlds. Yep. So um, we've had to split the team in two. Sad times. Yeah, there we go. Just want to thank everybody else for, uh, well, everybody for listening this week. Um, huge thanks to 24MX uh, for supporting the show as always. If you are looking for bits and pieces for your um, across bike, there's also, I think, did I see 20 to 70% off race parts? Yeah. All basically like um, spares. And did I see 20 to 70% off kit or was that at the weekend? I think that was at the weekend, but I think it rotates. Okay. Basically until July the 7th, there's going to be 20 to 70% off of a large majority of stuff. So I uh, just one of those things up. like deals of the week and stuff like that. Just get in there and check it out. And uh, anything you do, um, it helps us. So um, we really do appreciate that. Uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up on um, MX Vice uh, announcements and stuff like that, which we're going to be able to say over the next couple of weeks. So um, keep posted. Thanks again for everybody who listens to this podcast. Uh, it's pretty awesome how well it's going. Can't quite believe it. I'm still here after 13 episodes, which that's pretty impressive because uh, I was only supposed to be doing one 
Anything else you want to add? Uh, we survived episode 13. Oh, I think. We think, without any hitches. I think. Okay. Right. Say bye, Lewis. See ya. See you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. MX for everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter, and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. BMX Vice Show. show, 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 show.